everyone, and welcome back to the AdCast, a podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I'm your skater boy, Renu. And I'm your cell at work, Soup. This week, AD stands for Absolute Territory because we'll be wrapping up the winter 2021 season. But before we get into that, uh, what have we been up to? Uh, yeah, I, I have, um, I have been up to, uh, that's a good question. Um, it, it's been like, I, I, th- I don't think it's, it's been like a week since we recorded the last episode, <laughs> uh, if that, but actually, you know what, there, there are a couple of things that, that have happened since then. Um, right now it is currently, uh, Guild War in, um, Grand Blue Fantasy, so Ooh. I've sold my soul to the next couple days, um, to, uh, endlessly fight a boss so that I can establish my dominance over other puny people trying to play this game. <laughs> it's all about the power fantasy, right? Yeah, th- listen, it, the, the fantasy in Grand Blue Fantasy stands for power fantasy. <laughs> I want power. I'm no longer baby. <laughs> no more baby. No more baby. It's for power. <laughs> um, but aside from that, uh, I've been doing a lot of... Um, well, okay. So what I should have been doing, right, is I should have been cleaning my room. Because it's still not, like, organized from um, when I when I moved all the stuff in here. So uh, there's, it, it's getting progressively worse, and I really do have to commit to, to cleaning it um, soon. But uh, what I have been doing is I've been messing with keyboard stuff a lot, and I've, I've completely gone off the deep end. It's over for me. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so here's, here's the thing. Um, I mentioned this uh, in a previous episode where, like, you start with, with keyboards as a hobby, and you're like, yeah, it's you know it's it's cool. Uh, you, you know, the, you can do all these things, and you can try all these switches, and they mm-hmm. have all these like unique sound signatures and feels, and it's it's um yeah, and all that's like fine and well and dandy. You know, it's, yeah. it's nice to have a good keyboard, right? To, like sure. to me personally, having a good keyboard is like having um a good chair or like a good bed, right? Okay. Because. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because at the very least, I because I spend so much time on the computer. Having a good keyboard and a good mouse is like is important to me because it's the way sure. that I interface with the thing that I spend ninety percent of my day looking at. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the thing about keyboards as a hobby is that like they go a little bit um into it, and like it's I will say it's not as um <laughs> as far as uh hobbies go, um especially ones that um you know, have to do with, like, um, uh, ways you interface with your computer. Keyboards, I, I I think, are not nearly the most complicated. Like, it, it is complicated if you decide you wanted to, like, learn about switch actuation and, like, um, uh, force, et, et cetera. Like, they have these graphs that tell you, like, just how much force it takes to, like, press a key. And, it, and all <laughs> that is, like, completely unnecessary to the average mm-hmm. person or right. even to the, like, experienced keyboard person. Like, sure. those graphs aren't really going to tell you that much unless you already have a baseline understanding of how those things feel. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, there is... Um, this is the thing about keyboards, right? Is that when you start getting into keyboards, the worst thing that can happen is you can get very um, accustomed to the very minute differences in things uh, relating to, like, sound and, like, feel. So, for instance, um, many switches uh, come, like, uh, with a a layer of, like, factory lubing, right? Um, There's a lubricant on them to make them, like you know, uh, s- slide smoothly. 
uh, which, you know, is, is pretty important. But the thing is that factory lubing, because it's such a, you know, a mass production kind of process, uh, many people are very unsatisfied with it. So what they will do is they will open the switches up themselves and take a little brush to them with, with some lube, and they will personally lube them by hand. Um, oh, wow. And... I, and I was I was like that's that's so much that's a lot like yeah, that, that's, that's a, a lot, lot of work that takes yeah. that, that that would take like hours yeah and I swore that I would never become that kind of person <laughs> I was gonna say did and now <laughs> and here I am and I've I've lubed two keyboards worth of switches it's just it's over for me oh my god this isn't okay. ever anything I thought I would ever learn about or hear you say is I've lubed two keyboards now <laughs> two keyboards I lubed two keyboards <laughs> yeah it's it's a lot oh um, I mean. I will say uh, there is kind of a nice, like, you know, because it's a hobby, right? You know, sure, uh, it's something yeah. that you you decide to invest time in because you enjoy it. Yeah. And um, the thing about keyboards, uh, especially if you get into, like, lubing switches, um, the one thing that I'm still <laughs> holding off on, right? The, well, the one thing I have not committed to, to doing yet is soldering. I still have, I, I still firmly, I will not solder. Yeah, um, that's intense. Yeah, I I don't know. I just don't trust myself to to do that. But um, who's who's to say? I also like you know, um, the thing about hot swap boards, which is really nice, which is uh, when a keyboard uh, you can just put the switches in and out of the keyboard and they work. Um, normally, uh, traditionally you've had to solder them uh, in place the switches. So mm. um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, but like it is kind of relaxing i have to say you know it's kind of like um it's very much the same appeal as uh people who like paint models or do like uh gundam building right mm-hmm. um it's like it's just a very like uh it's a, a a repetitive kind of thing you can do with your hands while you listen to a podcast or or yeah music. i can see that yeah yeah um so that that's been that's been fun okay um i built an entire keyboard um Ooh. For for my partner, ah, um, that's cute. Uh, so that that is what uh, I've spent the last last couple of days doing. Um, yeah. Uh, and I gotta say, I'm I'm still very happy with my keyboards. Um, that now that I've kind of committed to doing that, um, they they sound really nice and they feel really nice. So I'm I'm glad I put the work in. You know, it feels have good. Have you um Have you posted them up on like socials and stuff? I want to see. Oh them. no, I I haven't. Um, Will I, you show I probably me? yeah, I probably could. <laughs> I'll 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 at least send you a picture. I might yeah, post I them on, see. on Twitter yeah. later. I'll I'll show you. Um, my my keyboard's not done yet because I I have keycaps arriving um sometime this month. I don't oh. know when, but um I do have keycaps that that will come in and uh, okay. essentially complete my board, which will be nice. Nice. Um. Yeah, because um, I've I've been waiting for for a while now because uh, everything in keyboards. This is the terrible thing about keyboards is that is that nothing is so easy that you can just buy it, right? right. Everything is like you have to commit to a group buy where you all you you like chip in your your orders and your money, and then they make them all at once and they send them out, and it takes months. It's like I swear, building keyboard stuff, like enjoying keyboard stuff, feels like. Um, in many ways, it feels like you're you're kind of in the the uh, early days of uh, you know like the train system or the or the horse mail system, right? Where it's like, ah, yes, I have put my order in for a mail order keyboard part. It will arrive in hmm, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eight months. <laughs> Oh, Exquisite. No. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, everything takes so so long. Wow, I didn't it's realize ridiculous. that it took that long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are a couple of uh, of like kind of readily available in stock things, um, usually here and there, but um, they're pretty few and far between, and usually they're very expensive um, and not worth all the money that that they're worth. So uh, it's kind of a shrug emoji. But I mean, hey, I mean, um, I have absolutely, you know, um, ab- absolutely no no disrespect, right, to somebody who decides to do that because sometimes that really is all you can get. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so I've been messing with keyboard stuff, um, and I think the last thing that I, I really have to talk about is um, I am scheduled to uh, get the vaccine. Wow! Um, I don't I don't remember which one it is, but I have uh, made a schedule. Uh, I've made a, an appointment through my um, my county's like uh, healthcare services. Mm-hmm. So um, I will be I will be getting that soon, um, and that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, pretty much everyone else in my family has has already had one or two shots. My dad just got his second one. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like um California seems like one of the the states that has the most um availability in terms of the vaccine. We just made it available for everyone over 16. Yeah, it, surprisingly, that's the same in Texas as well. Uh hmm. they just made it available for everyone over 16. I was actually really shocked. <laughs> I thought that it would take them longer for some reason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? Like, Texas is a big place. Yeah. I guess California is a big place. I mean, place California's too. big too, but also California's, like, very different politically from Texas, so. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm I'm surprised that, that you're getting the vaccine at all with, uh, you know, Mr. I know, Mr. Right. Uh, Mr. Ted Cruz up there. <laughs> <laughs> He's vacationing, so it's fine. <laughs> you're right, you're right. All of the lawmakers are like, all right, let's get this shit done while he's off. <laughs> Yep, that's all I've been up to. Yeah. What about you? Uh, me, um, a lot of work. Uh, we are having our annual, um, everyone is under a huge amount of pressure because the big boss is mad at everyone oh, meltdown. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you hate to yeah. see that. We do hate to see that. We just, I think we've just cleared like the cusp of it and now we're like starting new stuff. So hopefully- oh, boy. We're fine, but like the past week has been like nightmarish, um, like a lot of overtime and a lot of yelling and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. You know, all the spicy stuff from animation studios, right? <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Yeah, uh, but other than that, uh, I also, in my very little off time, managed to beat Monster Hunter World. Like a hundred percent, like nice, Iceborne nice, nice, nice. is completely done. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I've never, I'm trying to think, and I can't think of another final boss that I spent as much time cracking away at. Um, mm-hmm. It took me, like, I'd say a little over a week to beat him. <laughs> like, wow. Uh, just like a lot of attempts and me probably not being as good at the game as I should be by that point, you know? But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, he was he was a toughie, but a really cool fight. And nice. I highly recommend the whole pack the whole monster hunter world plus iceborne package to anyone who uh, nice ends up getting into monster hunter, i think so. I th- monster hunter world is on pc now right yes it's on pc now okay mm-hmm. i might i might look to it um or i might just i might just uh uh do rise on the switch um yeah let say. me know 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let you know, obviously. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to pass up a chance to be like, all right, Randy, let's play some video game. Yeah, that'd be so fun. <laughs> I, I feel like outside of um, outside of Ace Attorney, we don't really play a ton of games together. We don't, yeah. We play very different <laughs> kinds of games is, is why. Yeah, though we do, like, you and I both like Fire Emblem and stuff like that. I'm just usually yeah. late to the Fire Emblem well, party. <laughs> we Well, the thing is, we tend to like a lot of single-player games, right? Um, That's true, we don't, yeah. We don't yeah. converge a lot on on multiplayer games because yeah. I I don't know what kind of multiplayer games you really play. Um, I know that we had a, a brief stint where we played Final Fantasy fourteen together, um, and you you couldn't really find uh, you know um, uh, y- like it it didn't grip you right. It yeah, it didn't grab me. Yeah, yeah, um, um yeah. Mm-hmm. We played Divinity for a bit. Yeah, we played we... Divinity until we got busy. Yeah, essentially. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess technically Stardew Valley is multiplayer now too. <laughs> oh, I yeah, that, that's that. true. That's true. Um, I've, I've played a, a bit of, of multiplayer. Stuff. I don't. Th- I actually, I've yeah. played very little Stardew uh, Valley, not in multiplayer. Yes, um, me too. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually very funny. Like I actually know very little about the the characters in the game outside of like um, what I've seen from you know. Uh, just years of everybody having already played Stardew Valley and like, sure. everybody talking about it. Yeah. Um, outside of that, I feel like uh, I I just like don't really know how anything in the game works other than I plant the potato, I harvest <laughs> the potato, I sell the potato. Yeah, I, buy I mean, more potato. Yeah, I mean that is like the larger, I guess, gameplay loop, and then the smaller gameplay loop is like. You wake up every morning, you water your plants, and then you go out and you do stuff. And that stuff can include, like, fishing. You can go down right, into the right. mines to fight monsters. You can go seduce the people in the village. Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I feel like um, it's... Hmm. The thing about Stardew Valley to me is I... It's the kind of game that I really want to enjoy, Um and I, there's a lot that I like about the game. I think that the gameplay loop of it uh, is is very good, mm-hmm. right? Um, just the the kind of routine of like getting up and like uh, taking yeah. care of all your crops and stuff, yeah, uh, and yeah, then yeah. just choosing what what you do for the rest of the day. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I like uh, the fact that um, the characters seem like pretty well thought out, and they have like relationships with each other, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I I I. I God, it's kind of like um, sometimes you forget that characters are supposed to interact with each other and not just like you, the <laughs> player character. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, Persona yes. has this problem way too much. Oh God, it where does. it's like yes. nothing happens unless you, the main character, yes. are there, even though these people are ostensibly supposed to be friends with each other. Right. It, it kind right. of makes me crazy whenever I notice that in a story. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's why I really love um, the skit system in the Tales games. I think oh, that, yeah, I, I love think that those every, too. every mm-hmm. RPG should mm-hmm. have that, right? It's so um, fun. And Bravely, Bravely Default had that too. Actually. Bravely Default has it. Um, Final Fantasy IX had it too. You could go into the little extra yeah, cutscenes. Yeah. yeah. But I think like over overall, there's something that's missing to me about Stardew Valley. And I, it might just be that it's just not like anime enough for me, which, which sounds like so weird. <laughs> But like, I think when I when I play it, I'm just like, hmm, I miss Harvest Moon and Rune Factory. I mean, that's fair. It's a it's a different, I guess, style and different way of storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. well, maybe, yeah. The I mean, the influence is definitely there. Like this game course. wouldn't exist without yeah. like probably Rune Factory specifically. 
Um, but, uh, it it does have a lot of like you know um, Western tastes kind of kind of in it. Um, I I think a, a lot of it has to do with like the character archetypes too. Um, in in the game, I think that despite the fact that I think the characters are 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 more or less pretty well thought out um, and pretty well uh, developed. I also like I also just find myself kind of unable to to really uh, get myself invested in them. And it I I think part of it is also it's just kind of like. When when everyone else has already played the game all the way through and they're like, oh, I've married like this person and this person and they're my favorites to marry. Um, and like, you know, your other friends are like, oh, I like this person, and this person. Um, one, you get a really good idea of their personalities. You're like, oh, I see. <laughs> oh, um, you're that kind of person. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, you, can, you can immediately tell someone's tastes. Um, but two, it's also just like. It it then makes it kind of weird, you know? Yeah, I'm just it's like, like, oh well, I'm I'm gonna seduce your husband now. I'm gonna, bye. Yeah, I'm gonna seduce your husband now. Bye. Uh, Which I mean, shrug emoji, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's it's something very weird about it to me. Yeah, um, and which is which is funny because like in in real life, right? You know, it's like I'm I'm not like a monogamous person. I'm not a strictly monogamous person. So it's like shrug, shrug emoji. Why is this weird <laughs> in the game? <laughs> it might be you know it might be because only one like you can only marry one person in the game at a time. That that might be it. Really? <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I don't I don't think it supports polygamy at least i don't think no no i, I mean know. it doesn't but like <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know I, there's something about it is, i, is I just can understand like, that there might be like a something that you can't quite quantify yet about why yeah, it hasn't yeah. grabbed it might you be, it yeah. might just be that it's like um the fact that everybody else already knows these characters so well it, it feels like like I'm, I'm, I would just be playing catch up more than getting to experience it on my own. I think that's, that, I sure. think that's kind of it. I think that's, yeah. I think that's like the, the the root of it. Yeah, no, I can understand that. That was uh, kind of the same problem that I faced with Undertale because I. Oh yeah, yeah. big, big, yeah. big, big problem with Undertale right now. Yeah. So for sure. Well, and the thing about Undertale too is, um, I feel like if you knew nothing about Undertale, it's it's a great game. Oh, absolutely. If you know, yeah. If you know like a little bit about Undertale, it's still really good. Um, yeah. But I feel like, and, and I'm not like this isn't to say that it's a game that is ruined by spoilers because I don't think it is. Um, but I think that there is a difference between having something spoiled for you, um, you know, uh, against your will. Because like obviously, some people are okay with spoilers. Um, I usually don't really care about spoilers that much. Um, and. Obviously, you know, this this podcast is not a spoiler-friendly podcast, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, there, I feel like there's a difference between when someone spoils something in the story for you and when someone um, has a, uh, a kind of, like, relationship with the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is, um, like, when, when you see people are like, oh, this game, like, made me cry. Like, this game, uh-huh. uh, I really care about this game. Yeah. Um, I feel like that it, that can kind of be a double-edged sword because it, it feels like uh, if I go into it and I don't have the same reaction, I'm like, oh, God, am I, right. am I in the wrong? Like, right. am I experiencing this wrong? Yes, 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 absolutely. There, it sets up expectations for you regardless. And so yeah, it's tough because yeah. you kind of just have to... At least for me, I know people who they just can't help but spoil things or they'll unintentionally mm-hmm. spoil things. And mm-hmm. I'm that kind of person where I kind of want to form my own relationship with the media. Right. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's why, like, stuff like, um, uh, we talked about our viewing experience with Parasite and um, how you didn't really want to tell me anything about the movie, just that I should watch it. And I think that was yeah, probably like yeah. the best way for me to have experienced that movie because I'm so grateful that I didn't know anything about that movie before going into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm, uh, I think I similarly, in retrospect, would have wanted the same experience with Undertale and I kind of wish that I had just played the game when I had known nothing about it aside from the fact that I should have just played it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there is also a difference between having something spoiled and having, like, the entirety of something like dissected and and put before you, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Because like when when you're spoiled on something, I think you can still enjoy it, right? Sure. Because, yeah. I mean, it's still um, a good piece of media, regardless. Right. Exactly. Like, I think that that surprise is is an important um, is not the end all be all of no, absolutely right? not. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it time and time again, where a show can have a very simple premise and a very predictable progression and yes. still be really good oh, and absolutely. still make you care, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of feels like, to me, when um, something, like, something like Undertale t- uh, is, especially when you look at the, um, the kind of uh, fan reaction to Undertale mm-hmm. um, as, a, as a culture right yeah it they so what happens is because undertale is just a you know it's a very limited experience you know it's a fairly big game for for what it is right yeah for like mm-hmm. an indie release yes. um but it is not everything and it can't be everything but that's what fan culture kind of makes things out to be um there is a a trend where basically once people have experienced the story and they they feel really attached to those characters in the world and everything um what they'll do is they'll they'll remix it into something else right that you know like the idea of like fan fiction and AUs and all that stuff and that's like that's like really cool yeah. um but something like undertale because it's so big it mutates a lot faster than um smaller pieces of fiction um or sure, like less yeah. popular pieces of fiction yeah and mm-hmm. you begin to get um a kind of sprawl right there's a great super eyepatch wolf video about um the undertale kind of fandom and it's like fan works as as a as a whole mm. and it's wild there's like mm-hmm. AUs and then there's AUs of AUs and then there's AUs of AUs of AUs and then there's like <laughs> compilation pieces where they mix a bunch of AUs together and like um it becomes less of its own experience right undertale um if you know anything about it it becomes less of its own experience and more of like uh like a a, a lens right it's kind of like when mm. you use something as a lens to approach other things sure um, yeah that's and like, wild. I'm, I'm I'm 100% <laughs> super super tangenting right now. I know, but um yeah, I think that's that's kind of that's kind of where I I generally fall on that. Like I'm glad I played Undertale pretty early on in its popularity. Yeah. yeah. Um where I knew some about the game, but not all of it necessarily. Um I think nowadays it's really hard to um one avoid spoilers obviously, but it's really hard to kind of both manage people's expectations about something um 
because if if you don't like something that other people love, it kind of oh, makes you God. feel like a bad person. Right? It makes you like it makes you feel alienated, but also it kind of makes you dislike the media, not because of the media, but because of the people surrounding it. It's like you guys are yeah, so rabid yeah. that you're making me kind of averse to this thing that I thought was I didn't that that maybe necessarily I didn't you know hate or whatever but now I'm kind of like well you know that's kind of how, like, how I feel about the Attack on Titan series <laughs> I when I first watched it it was before any of the hype had like really taken off and I thought the show was fine um it yeah. wasn't like it didn't blow my mind or anything but it was like it was just fine and then all of the hype came out over it and I was like wow this is kind of wild <laughs> and then yeah. it became like there and then of course toxic pans come out and then they're like well if you didn't like this part or that part if you don't like my show or whatever then you're wrong <laughs> essentially yeah i mean obviously like um it, you don't want people to be uh like policing your yeah. experience mm-hmm. with something right of course you yeah like and I think this this is kind of part of at the the core of spoiler culture, right? And it's something that mm-hmm. people don't verbalize as much as like just saying like I just don't like spoilers. I like having my own like experience with something. But that that is something, right? The idea that um you kind of want to go into something because personally, I think spoilers are are just a neutral thing, right? Um, I do think that the the culture we live in overvalues sp- like spoiling um things like they they put too much emphasis on like that being a bad thing i think in in the kind of like general space spoilers are are a neutral thing you can learn about a spoiler and it'll be like oh okay interesting right um but some people don't really don't like spoilers because it hampers their ability to form their own relationship to to a piece of media um and like this is just a thing that people um like people naturally i feel like trend this way where they like to be unique, where they like to experience something for the first time for themselves and form their own opinion about it, and um, they don't like when, uh, I guess, like, this is the, like, hipster kind of thing, right? Where, like, you want to be, you're like, oh, <laughs> sure. I like this before yeah. it was cool, right? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, and subsequently, yeah. once it becomes popular, a lot of people will then switch sides and be like, actually, this sucks. This sucks and I hate it, right? <laughs> And, like, <laughs> obviously, that's a very childish, like, reaction to yeah. have. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> but I think it, it is rooted in, like, a very kind of valid desire to want to not have your relationships or expectations of something uh, or your experience of something be um, marred, I guess, by another person's um uh, experience with it right it's kind of something you hold like personally um valuable to to yourself and like I, I, to me even even to me right like i okay so i have a very weird relationship with um like analysis content because on one hand i really really like analysis content right sure. yeah um i love when people dive into something especially something i'm interested in and they talk about it and they like um you know uh mentioned this and that and this mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but i try not to watch analysis content for stuff that i'm going to talk about even though i know that it would make my uh 
analysis of something stronger, right? Right, like someone a else's informed. An, mm-hmm. Right, someone else's analysis will will not ruin your experience with something, um, because if so, if your experience with something changes, that's that's coming from you, right? Sure, yeah. Um, but even then, like I I feel like. If if I like watch too many like for instance if I watch too many videos about like one drag priority and like what every every theme <laughs> that means like yeah. I don't necessarily want to just cite everything even though technically academically speaking that's a totally valid thing to do yeah yeah um, yeah but um I feel like um I feel like there there is a a balance to be struck where you want to be as informed um, enough to talk about about things. But at the same time, you don't really want to just be parroting other people's points. Yes, I think, yes. Um, and especially for the podcast, I feel like. Because I feel like yes. mm-hmm. people tune into the podcast to listen to us talk about things um, and not just us be like, oh, I watched a video about this and it was like this and this and this, right? It's like, just go watch the video yourself, right? <laughs> um, right. You don't want it to be dry. Mm-hmm. and But you also, it's not like we can't have completely, or rather... The idea of a completely original thought is is like it's it's null totally and void. it's totally yeah. like nothing, right? Yeah, but also at the same time, if you have like an audience or if you have someone that you're talking with and they want your opinion, you want you want some some essence of like of yourself in there, right? You don't want that well, opinion to just be a bunch of other people's voices. Well, yeah, like you want to have an opinion about something. Yeah. Um that you want to have an opinion of, you do not want to have that opinion spoken for by other people, and that's yeah, like yeah. that's like at the core of of what what we've been talking about uh, in, right. in relation to this. Like it can be validating if after you formed your opinion that you find that other people hold the same opinion, or maybe they might have different reasons for it, or they have different right. evidence, or or you know different information and whatnot, um, or maybe they have d- differing opinions. But regardless, you have your original opinion, and then that can. Uh, either hold or change or or whatever but it can be problematic if um all you're doing is rather than forming your own opinions you are just uh taking other people's opinions because there is like a level of critical thinking that goes into formulating your own opinion you know however however much you might put into that um and uh yeah it's (laughs) i can completely understand wanting to value the formation of your own opinion before you seek out the opinions of others mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it, it it's very funny that this all tangented off of like uh talking about stardew valley but i feel <laughs> that's generally yeah. how i feel about it i think it's just sure. i i'm unable to enjoy that game in that's fine um, yeah in a way that is not uh kind of affected by the opinions of other people yeah and some some games i think it it is very possible to do that but mm-hmm. it's like it what it does um cuz here's the thing about spoilers right where uh people feel like spoilers will cheapen the experience of something which i don't necessarily agree with but like i'm not going to tell people how to enjoy their media and if somebody does not want things spoiled for them i'm not going to spoil things for them right i mean <laughs> right um yeah it varies depending on the media whether I'm okay with spoilers or not, and yeah, so that's why no, I that, appreciate. That's 100% you know, true. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Like people will be like, "Are you cool if I spoil this?" and and then my answer will be like, "Yes or no." Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I'm really not okay with it is <laughs> I remember this happening distinctly, even though I don't have a particular attachment to this game. While I was mm-hmm. playing Final Fantasy 15, um, there is a moment in the game where 
uh, something very dramatic happens. <laughs> and mm-hmm. right before the reveal happened, my friend who was sitting next to me watching me play, she lent me the game. And so that's why she knew what was going on. She shouted what happened right before the reveal happened. Oh, <laughs> and, oh and no. <laughs> I got so upset. Oh. <laughs> And it completely undercut the 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 raw, I guess, emotion of mm-hmm. uh, of learning what happened because you're supposed to essentially because your point of view is from Noctis's point of view. You know, he's your point of view character. Um, you learn what happens as he learns it, but because she shouted it right before. Oh no! You know, he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. He learned mm-hmm. it. I didn't. I I I got disconnected. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That's it. it yeah, <laughs> it takes you out of the experience. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, well, because when when somebody, uh, especially, um, because okay, I think it varies from person to person, obviously. Um, but when somebody tells you a spoiler, it does take you out of the story. You want to be as as immersed as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, as as much as immersion is is a thing, the jury's kind of still out on that. I think. Um, and whether or not immersion is is a valuable thing, but like. There is, um, I, I think, rather than immersion, it's best to think of it as um, this idea of suspen- uh, like suspension of disbelief, right? When somebody spoils something for you, especially something like right before it happens, it immediately like, uh, like breaks your, your suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this, is, this goes doubly so, I think, for when, um, when a game is, uh, like I said before, like dissected and laid out before you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... What that does is it it changes your relationship to the text in a way where it it transforms your relationship from you and a piece of media to uh you and the meta surrounding that that media right mm. and i I think that like it's kind of this way if you if you were uh for instance to watch like analysis content of something without having seen the original thing. Um, where your relationship to it changes, right? Because yeah, mm-hmm. you have all of the the stuff, the inner workings of it uh, have been like laid bare, and um, and had a light kind of shined on and a microscope taken to it, right? And oh yeah, if you're very good at suspending your disbelief and experiencing uh, media on your own terms, then that's not going to be a problem for you. But I think a lot of people aren't, and I, I would say sure. that most people, yeah. Aren't. Right? I would say most people we're... aren't too. Yeah, I can't. I can't even say I'm immune to that. Mm-hmm. Like, if I watch an analysis video before experiencing the content, the analysis video is going to be in the back of my mind as I'm watching it, and I'll be oh, yeah, an- yeah, yeah. analyzing the content as I'm going through to be like, oh, okay, so this was the point they were making about such and such, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that this is not. Um, this isn't inherently a bad thing, though. I would say. Because I think that in some ways it can help you enjoy something more. It just depends on the thing. Right? It depends on the thing, yeah. Like, if if you if you just gave somebody a copy of Dark Souls, it probably wouldn't be super fun for them. But if you explained <laughs> how to make Dark Souls fun to them, they would have fun with it, probably. Mm, um, that's a good point. Because I, yeah. I remember really bouncing hard off of Dark Souls the first time I tried playing it. Now, mind you... 95% of that was because I did not have, like, I did not own a controller at the time, and that game does <laughs> not, like, it, it It technically works with a mouse and keyboard, but it, yeah. it doesn't work with a mouse yeah. and keyboard. Yeah. Um, but, 
I remember the, the next time I tried it, I, I really did kind of uh, um, get get a feel for it. And, and I, I because I had, you know, um, experienced uh, meta content about Dark Souls and about why it's good, because that was informing the way I experienced the game, um, it was making it more fun to me than if I had gone in blind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously this varies from, from piece to piece, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Any anyway, um, I guess <laughs> we had a long tangent. The, <laughs> very long tangent. It's been a long. It's been a while since we went on a really long yeah. tangent like that. Um, have you been up to anything else? Oh my that's god, it. it's that's been like it. forty let's, minutes. We we let's let's just talk about uh, our topic just, at hand. Let's just, <laughs> let's just transition right in. Yes. There. Okay. <laughs> Um, so let's start with the stuff that we we didn't finish. Um, we did not finish Horimiya. Um, I have read the manga for it, but I think um, there was one thing I wanted to mention about this show um, mm. that I thought about and I wanted to mention in the sampler, but I forgot to because I didn't write it down. I was literally like, oh, I, I, I don't need to write that down. I'll, I won't forget it, right? And then I completely <laughs> forgot it. And it was like, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Horimiya to me uh, has always been a has always been a comfort like series. Um, mm. the, the manga has always been a comfort series to me. I, I like rereading it um, from time to time. Um, but I think what I realized about Horimiya, and subsequently as a result, um, what I realized about uh, romantic comedies as kind of a genre mm. is um, they exist um, largely in what I would call uh, a softer world. Um, which is, sure. um, <laughs> like it, it is, uh, it, it's funny because like when I think about like slice of life shows and, um, the, the appeal of a slice of life show, like what I really want is, you know, I want a, a world that like, I want to have an, I want an experience, right? Um, okay. the experience of, of mundane daily life where <laughs> uh-huh. it doesn't feel like my life is at stake. Right. Sure. Yeah. I think that low key everybody feels this, right? When when they wake up in the morning, um you feel a low key amount of dread. Because <laughs> you're like, "Oh, I have to go to work." Right? I'm like consigning myself to to doing like 8 hours of of some kind of labor. Or You mean the birds aren't singing and you're like, "Oh, right, yeah, exactly. what a great day to be alive." <laughs> well, this this is this is the um to me this is the appeal uh that that people like in Ghibli movies is it's a very saturated like larger than life slice of life-ness, right? Where there's fantasy and fantastical elements but um a lot of the like quote-unquote action um in a lot of those movies is very like slow like uh mundane stuff like people eating food people always talk about ghibli food right Mm -hmm. um and in a lot of those movies um the stakes are quite low like obviously you know objectively speaking like ponyo the stakes are not like low because like you know uh at the world is going to be flooded or something, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff going on. But I would argue that, like, the the stakes are very personal. It's not like... The stakes are very personal, yeah. The world isn't ending, like, in a Persona game, but it... Yeah, right. But, like, uh, Chihiro needs to get back to the, quote-unquote, real world with her family, right? They got turned into... Her her parents Mm -hmm. got turned into pigs, and then um, Nausicaa, the... The environment is is 
getting hecky. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Nausicaa is is kind of the exception to this rule. Um, <laughs> but like something something like Kiki's yeah. delivery service. Yeah, where, Kiki. Um, yeah, yeah. There's like basically basically nothing at stake, right? But it's very compelling. Yeah. Um, and I find that a lot of it is because it it exists in in this idea of a softer world, which which is. Um, at least, you know, to what I consider, right? Um, it's it's a world where you can be hurt, um, and and like grow, uh, and it's it doesn't it's like painful, but it's not like too painful, right? Because here's the thing about real life: real life sucks. <laughs> real life sucks a lot. Like when something bad happens, that shit hurts, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh. Oh, oh God! Oh, I have to deal with this and go to work. Like, it's awful. Yeah. And and like you wake up on the weekends and you're like low key feeling dread because you're like, oh, I'm gonna enjoy my weekend. I'm having fun. But in the back of your mind, you're like, in two days, I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> Don't narrate my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Mm-hmm. and the thing about like rom coms um, and like slice of life shows is that. Um, those stakes are, and this is the reason a lot of them take place in high school, right? It's you, it's a very like um, pivotal time in a person's life, but everything very important seems so far away when yeah. you're in high school. Mm-hmm. And what really is is important and pressing to you at that moment is is what you're feeling. And many times, um, for many people, that's like you know your relationships and um, you know your dokies, right? How you feel about <laughs> other people, right? And, <laughs> and there's an element yeah. of that that I that I like I love where um it's like people are falling in love and they are getting rejected and it's not the end of the world they can remain friends and they can move on and like things things change and like maybe in the future they'll get together and and be in a relationship or whatever right and like yeah. the the kind of existential threat of labor doesn't exist nearly as like presently as it does. And I think this is the reason why you don't see as many slice of life shows about adult life, right? Like there's stuff like Wodokoi, which feels Wodokoi very much- Wodokoi is the big exception. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like the big like one that, yeah. that everyone kind of thinks about. Um, yeah. um there's also uh uh what what's that one? It's like it's oh. net game. Net game Osusume or something. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There was that one. There was also the, the one, one the the office worker one where she has uh she has that one coworker who's always after. Her. Oh, her name was like Lucy, but she had oh, a really it's, long uh, name. It was. It was. Uh, I think it's. It's. It's not working. It's. I think servant X. No, is that it? Yeah, is it? It's servant X service. Yeah, it's. It's about the. It's. Um. It's about the lady yes, that works in. Yes. Um. In servant like a government service. job, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a like a clerical government job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like there can be some comfort in that. I think. Um. Because most of the the work is pretty low stakes or or gets alighted away um but on the whole people don't want to be reminded about work yeah it's awful <laughs> cuz it sucks right yeah i definitely um, agree that mm-hmm. rom-coms are designed to comfort you um yeah right take you, it's like, take you out of the cuz i i think that <laughs> um when people think about like rom-coms they like watching two people fall in love and that's Mm -hmm. an enjoyable experience for them but i think a a larger part of why it's such a popular and like comforting genre is very similar to why size of life is is a comforting genre i think that um 
the idea of a world where um, pain is is duller is is not as is not felt as harshly. Um, I think is very appealing to people because mm-hmm. um, it, it it's um you know what it is it's a it's having a controlled emotional experience which is what what like good media is is about right it's about having controlled um, emotional experiences in safe spaces right like a horror movie will not hurt you. But people enjoy <laughs> horror movies because uh, they enjoy the feeling of, of being scared, of being frightened. I, I hate it, mind you, so I don't watch <laughs> horror movies. But a lot of people do enjoy horror movies and they, yeah. they enjoy that. I mean, like people enjoy roller coasters because they kind of assume that they're safe, right? Hopefully. <laughs> Fingers oh, crossed. man, I've been watching um, so many like <laughs> videos about horror on roller coasters did you <laughs> did you watch the documentary accidents. about uh about the action park in like new jersey oh god yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> you one hopes that the things are safe and that people have gone through the proper protocols but who whoever knows <laughs> the person really. who was just like bro this is like someone who took roller coaster tycoon and made it real <laughs> Exactly. It feels exactly like that. None of that seems real. Yeah. Um so that's my like thesis about about um uh about like a softer world and rom-coms. Cuz I think getting hurt is I think a, a, a part of it, right? Yeah, Not all course. rom-coms have people yeah. getting hurt, but a lot of them do have people experiencing, you know, pretty like teenagers are experiencing pretty extreme emotional distress. Yeah. But like yeah. In a way that you know that it won't hurt them, right? You know that it's going to be, it's going to turn out okay in the end. Um, that's what I really love, I think, about um, uh, Ore Gairu, um, or uh, my teenage rom, I don't remember the actual English name of it, but Ore Gairu um, <laughs> has the experience uh, of a, uh, of a, you know, a child, um, a teenager, um, who is essentially like kind of like a lone wolf incel basically. And it's just about him like learning that he shouldn't just sacrifice himself to make other people happy because in the end that misery will, will always kind of revolve and and catch up. Mm. Um, And I like it because he, he hurts himself. um, He puts himself in situations where he, he gets hurt because he feels like it will, uh, ease the pain of others when in reality it's it's actually just hurting the people around him that that you know have relationship with him and that and that care for him right? right um and it's about him kind of learning to to move past that into you know being uh you know not not such a weirdo right not not somebody who um is like i'm going to predicate other people's happiness on my own misery right yeah i think that's a very interesting um i guess premise because it's it kind of explores a rather, like, if we were to interact with someone like that in real life, we would think that the way that they're acting is completely illogical. It's like, why would you, why would you be like this, you know? Um, right, right. But being able to actually submerge yourself in that mindset and be like, okay, well, there is a logic to it. The The way that this character, uh, like, thinks and feels, maybe it's, you know, we think that it's wrong, but to him, it he thinks that it's right and this is why. Um and it yeah. kind of helps you understand people a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah that that's that's uh, yeah. that's my bid on Hori Mia. Um, I one hundred percent, I one hundred percent recommend uh, people watch this because it it really is. It's kind of nice when something just skips over all of the the boring bits. And um, 
Horimiya is like, what if we just skipped over all of the, like, waffling bits? Like, you don't want to watch that, do you? <laughs> Good, me neither. Oh, the waffling. Now, I, I will say, I, I think there are places where um, the waffling bits are, are the fun parts. And um, a lot of um, a lot of shows, uh, a series are like that. Actually, it's a concept that uh, I learned recently is, is a concept in, um, like, Japanese literary analysis called, like, Junai or, or Pure Love, where, like... As a genre, like, Junai is about the process of getting into a relationship and not about the relationship. I like that Horimiya is about the relationship. And, like, you know, spoilers for what happens in, in over the course of, of the show. It's very realistic about what, what teenagers are like. Like, they have sex. <laughs> which is, like, I mean, obviously they don't show it. But, like, I mean... <laughs> sometimes sometimes you i feel like when we watch like japanese like anime you kind of forget that like teenagers are just banging all the time do you know what i mean <laughs> yeah no i definitely so one of the first i guess rom-coms that i ever read was karikano and there was there's a moment where they are teenagers and they just they they consummate their relationship and i was like oh <gasps> <laughs> Yeah, and well, I, it, it feels yeah. so weird. Yeah, no, I was a teenager at that time. I was their age, and I was like, oh, oh my, my God. God, what are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Young Renny was like, you can do that? Yeah, I was like, yeah, I didn't. <laughs> Even God. though I knew, obviously, people in my school, of course, were, were doing I mean, of course, it. right? Yeah, but I just wasn't expecting it out of my rom-com teenage romance <laughs> series. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, th that is a, a big thing um, about, like, Junai, right? Where Junai in, in Japanese means, like, pure love. So yeah. the, it's, like, it is this idea that um, a love is is pure and unsullied by, by adult desires, right? Which is, like, <laughs> obviously kind of nonsensical, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like when when it really comes down to it, like like teenagers, my god, teenagers, <laughs> holy shit, teenagers, oh my god, right? <laughs> anyway, um, sometimes sometimes when you watch too much anime, you forget. Oh, that's right. Like real people exist out there, and they probably bang a lot. <laughs> like like and like it's part of um. It's part of being in like a uh, in the space of a conservative culture where you kind of forget mm, yeah. sometimes that like not mm. everything is as like weirdo brainworms as like your your government tells you that it is. Where it's like, oh, right, right, because like we have the same exact thing in America where um, like our media obviously has been um, quite uh, decadent, I, I yeah. should say, yeah. for for quite a long time. But there was this very prominent period between like 1930 like 5 and like 1990 where movies just like couldn't do anything right mm -hmm. um because of the Hayes code right um mm -hmm. because of, of the moral restrictions put upon them by the by Christian society right and like we still have a lot of of lingering kind of um mm, resentment and malice towards sex as a thing like we live in a very puritanical culture even though we like to think of ourselves as very liberated right like the fact that you know um it's still very difficult to talk frankly about sex everywhere in the country and um like the fact that uh like sex work is seen as like a, a very like nasty morally wrong mm -hmm. thing to do when in yeah. reality like it's just a job right yeah like, it's just a job like, 
Because, <laughs> like, when you think about it, right? When you think yeah. about, like, sex work, right? It's like, oh, sex is only something you should do for love or baby making. Yeah. Right? And you're like, that's <laughs> nonsense, right? No. Like, no. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're ruining your body. It's like, no, that's, that's like, do you know what's ruining people's bodies? Working hard labor for 12 hours a day. <laughs> I swear that will ruin your body way faster than just having a bunch of sex. <laughs> right and like obviously like we we should recognize that it's like not all fun and games it's work yeah it's work like people think it's easy but it's work yeah um but then again like it's it's one of those weird spaces where like japan i feel like does not have as much of a problem with it as like america because like in japan it's kind of like a hush hush issue where like with prostitution and um like relationship prostitution i don't i don't actually know what it's what it's called um is is like a, a thing um where uh like you can actually go out and you can like rent somebody to be your friend for like an hour like in a weird way japan actually recognizes that like emotional labor is labor um and that's like fascinating to me because like i feel like we don't think about it like that in in the west when in reality like i mean yeah wouldn't it be kind of cool if you could just hire someone to be your friend for like an hour? I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, as long as people don't get too weird about it, like that's at the end of the day, right? Um, yeah, I think uh, Japan, even though both Japan and the U.S. are both they're both pretty conservative countries, um, Japan is very uh, open about its about like work, like 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 jobs, I guess, like forms of occupation. Yeah, um, it's it's a very, yeah. like, I think it's because it, it places so much emphasis on, like, service as an industry. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas we kind of think about service as a byproduct of industry, I think. Because, mm. like, when, when you think about it, like, um, people in Japan are essentially, uh, like, servers in Japan are, like, paid to be, like, very, very nice to people. But mm -hmm. they're paid in a way where they don't need to accept tips. Whereas in America, we just expect people to, to be like really nice and weighted us hand and feet. And then, and then we might pay them a pittance. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we have very different relationships around like service as an industry, I think. Yes, um, I, I agree. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Uh, so I don't remember how we got onto this topic. <laughs> Anyway, Hori Mia is a very oh, cute right. series. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a very, very good romantic comedy about teenagers, and it's very realistic about the way teenagers engage in relationships, which is to say um, it's not just like, you know, once we get into a relationship, that's it, we're done. That's we're the end of the series, life, right? yeah. That's the end of the series. <laughs> like, there's nothing more past this. We don't have to concern ourselves, right? It's, yeah. it's about, like, the trials and tribulations of a young couple navigating their relationship. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Horimiya. Um, it, it gets some weird places. I gotta say like later <laughs> in the, in the later chapters, it goes weird places. All right. <laughs> but I mean, uh, whatever, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a comfort series of mine. I like this a lot. Um, I probably will go back and watch the rest of the show itself so they can, talk about the merits of of the show on its own terms um but yeah uh, I mean, as far as the story goes me is i think uh being able to look at how they adapted it would be interesting yeah 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 um 
Speaking of adaptations, yeah, <laughs> um, let's talk about the Promised Neverland season two. Which I th- did you finish? I finished it. Okay, yeah. I didn't, but I have read the manga. Um, but yes, we have very, we both have very different <laughs> information. <laughs> um, so we we did watch together the episode where um the timelines diverge essentially. And, yes, yes, we did. Um, before we continue, it is worth noting that the the creator was. The creator of the manga was uh, was closely tied to the production of the anime um, and the decisions that were made. That being said, it was a very weird decision that was, were made. Yeah. I, okay. I need you to like I just really quickly. I just need okay. you to recap what happens oh, from where we left off to like the end of the series. Like what okay, happens so in where... those like, six oh, episodes? Okay, um, so we left we off, left off um, after the Norman reveal, right? Um, we, we watched one more episode, I think, where, um, Emma goes to the uh, hideout and they meet the, like, uh, the genetically modified kids. Okay, so, um, Emma basically tells Norman that she's against, um, uh, everyone, uh, against killing the, all the demons, right? Um, and Norman's like, all right, well, um, you know, what do you want to do? And then she says, well, I know, uh, of this girl named Mujika and she has uh you know this blood or whatever um i think norman ends up telling her about what Mujika can do like her abilities and stuff because he's heard of her before and so um basically they end up striking a deal where he promises not to go forward with his plan to kill all the demons and in exchange emma will bring back Mujika to Norman and then that way they can solve the demon problem with her blood and so he gives them three days to do so and so they leave to go find Mujika and then in the meantime Norman's like well I'm gonna go ahead with my plan anyway (laughs) Um, yeah 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 yeah, and so uh, by the time that Emma gets back uh, the village is like in on fire and all the demons are mutating or they're they're reverting or whatever um and uh it turns out um that the old man did you see that part with the old demon man uh yes yes yes, okay the old demon man has the same blood as mujika and so he uses it to um save his child who is also coincidentally named Emma from um, transforming. Um, and so Norman it was about to kill them, but then he hears that the girl's name is Emma, and he's like, and he hesitates, and then oh. he sees. <laughs> oh my! What? <laughs> no! 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 Yeah. No! 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 Yeah. No! 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 Wait! 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 wait. <laughs> Are you telling me uh-huh. that season two of the Promised Neverland uh-huh. pulls a like? A, bat, a Batman, uh, like Batman Superman? versus Superman? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my! Oh my god! Oh. What? Okay, all right. It's not as out there as okay. It's not as out there as as that. But yeah, um, yeah. No, it's not. It's I, not quite I that think, bad. Yeah, I think but that, it is, that is like better similar, set up. Like, but like, yeah. <laughs> it oh is a god. thing that happens. Um, and uh, yeah. So, um, while he's debating about whether to finish them off. Uh, Emma comes back um, with Ray, and they interrupt Norman, essentially, and they manage to convince him to to knock it off. <laughs> and, okay. Um, 
uh, and afterwards, they end up um, essentially working together. Um, Mujika is there. They manage to bring her to the village. Um, she and she goes around distributing her blood in order to save the uh, remaining demon folk. Um, and um, it gets revealed as uh, Norman is talking with Emma and Ray and um, about you know what happened and stuff that Norman is dying because of the experiments that were um, mm-hmm. you know that were placed on him or that he had to go through um, everything that he went through at the facility and all of that and um, they find information from Minerva that uh contains like a cure for norman's ailments and stuff what? and and for the other folk in their group and so it's like they're saved and also it fi- they find information about wh- how they can head to like the main facility and stuff <laughs> and so um i'm i'm kind of like re- really roughly glossing over this because they go over it re- really fast and so i only remember so much right so my apologies if i get any of this incorrect but uh-huh. um they form a plan together about how to infiltrate the main facility and how they're going to save the other kids because they find out that the kids are going to be um, moved as a result of uh, the attack on the demon village. Um, and so uh, the the Gracefield kids are like are, are you know with Phil and everyone, and they're being mo- they're about to be moved when Emma and them implement their plan. There's like some hot air balloons involved. They manage to deceive all of those armed soldiers into thinking that they're on those hot air balloons, but really, you know, they're not. And they manage to free all the children and bring them along <laughs> to <laughs> hmm. uh, the main, I guess, facility. And then um, you find that Isabella is there with all the other moms. Um, mm-hmm. Isabella is the grandmother. She's been promoted. And uh, they come across the the head honcho of the the facility, the Peter Rotri. Uh-huh. Um, and you then find out that Isabella has actually been supporting her children this whole time and convinced all the moms to come over to their side and so then all of the moms and Isabella turn on Peter Rattri with their machine guns and stuff and they're pointed at him and Emma tries to beseech Peter into coming over to their side as well and uh, (laughs) and then the very last episode is essentially a very minimally animated uh, exposition dump about the Rotri family and what? how they, you know, the how um Peter's older brother is Minerva or was Minerva, and how the reason he became Minerva was because he learned about the deal that their family had struck, um, about uh betraying their about how the children were the 
related to the founders and how they were betrayed, and that's why they were they struck this deal, right? Where about the human world and the separation of the human world and the demon world. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Peter ends up killing Minerva or his brother um, because of this, because Peter's like, uh, but the deal was is good. Like, you know, these sacrifices have to be made for peace or whatever. Like, well, I don't see the problem here. Um, but Minerva was working against that and wanted to free the children. And so that's why he was killed. And um, he decides that he's not going to work with Emma and the other kids because he's not convinced. He's sticking to his convincing convictions and then he takes out a knife and he offs himself um because he would rather die you know sticking to his conventions con- convictions as a ratri um and uh then emma and the group decide that they're going to go to the human world um with all the mamas they managed to convince the moms to come with them and uh as they're crossing the giant metal doors that honestly reminded me of the full metal alchemist doors, yeah. you know, the, mm-hmm. um, they're going to the light, the white light. <laughs> um, uh, Emma, Norman, and Ray, and uh, Norman's, um, you know, the, the his group from the facility, they all decide to stay um, and um, basically keep anyone who might be pursuing them away from the children and also uh, they 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 say they basically still have some work to do in the demon world Um, and so they send everyone else off into the human world it is revealed that the human world is modern day developed like new york city essentially Uh Uh, and so the kids like start going to school and stuff and they're all like living like a peaceful life and um meanwhile emma and them are like trekking through the demon world they they very briefly mention stuff that happens in the manga like the queen and the gods and stuff like that um but it's glossed over basically like with images you know like you see them climbing over a mountain you see them meeting the god you see them like it's just like you know images <laughs> and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh and then at the very end emma and uh Norman and Ray um after their work is done they come over to the human world and they reunite with Phil and the rest of the children <laughs> and that's mm, okay. the end of the I anime can, yeah you can see why people are upset now yeah um um so okay all right i want to i want to give you a little bit of context right yeah um so the promise neverland season 1 Covers chapters 1 through 37. Yeah. Season 2 covers 38 through 181. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Yeah. I, I read up, I, I, I did do some reading about like what the differences were in the manga and the anime yeah. just to get okay. some context about it. <laughs> so, um, I, and I won't, I won't spend too much time talking yeah. uh, about the manga, obviously. Um, but there are things that I, I, uh, obviously have not experienced in, in the anime yet, but, uh, one, that's way too much, way too much to fit into one. It was a I whole lot. Yeah. I I don't understand why they decided to cram it into a second season. I don't know. I have to Yeah. I have to assume they only got greenlit for two seasons and they were like, uh, 
well, I guess we don't want to leave season three in pending hell, so let's just do the whole thing. Sure, yeah, um, I, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And I, I get that, but also, um, okay, here's me being generous to the, the anime, right? I think that what happened here is that um, the producers of the anime and, and the mangaka decided to essentially center the, um, the Gracefield House children. Right. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. in the manga, um, a lot of stuff happens, and it's there are so many characters. Like there are actually a ridiculous amount of characters that right. appear and like have, um, you know, their whole shtick. But, um, at the end of the day, uh, it you know it is about the 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 kids like you know, Norm yeah. and Ray and, and mm-hmm. Emma and like who who they kind of turn out to be. Um, mm-hmm. one one thing that I will say that I. Uh, wish uh, was better in both the series and the manga is I think that Norman and Emma take really, really... um, They become very cool characters in opposition to each other where um, Norman wants to go ahead with his plan at all costs um, and Emma wants to go through with hers and they grow into characters that are opposed to each other even though they 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 want to be together, right? Yeah, yeah. and I feel like, uh, as a result, Ray kind of gets left behind as, like, uh, like he, he stops kind of developing, like, halfway through the manga, really. Right. Um, and it feels like there, there could have been something else done with Ray to be, to be more interesting. But Sure, like, yeah. Putting all that aside, I think um, the thing about um, The Promised Neverland Season 2 is it sounds a lot like um, what they wanted to do is they wanted to stick more to the vibes and themes of the first season. Because I will say that in the manga, um, after the they get to the, the underground hold, um, the tone changes a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it stops being a... Um, like suspense, uh, like a susen- a suspenseful, like um, horror kind of uh, uh, psychological uh, manipulation game kind of vibe, and becomes a lot more of like a very action heavy um, series. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really cool, but I can also see why um, some people think, um, even like in the manga, that those early chapters were were better than the later ones. I like that. The, I like the direction that the manga went, and I like the course the story took. And I think it um, it establishes uh, emotional connections um, and uh, does really well by the characters that it does introduce, even if those characters are like there are a lot of them. Um, I will say, uh, it does baffle me somewhat that they decided to try to cram the entire like, because like. It's it would be one thing if you had three like um if you had a whole story and you had a third of it in the first season and two thirds of it in the second, like that's you can do that right it's possible um sure when you have like one uh oh god what what is the fraction it's like um <laughs> th- three eighteenth is one if you have a ninth of the series as the first season <laughs> and then eight ninths as the second. Like, there's no way it's going to feel, like, Fractions. satisfying in any way. Like, there is... Yeah. Yeah, I truly I, believe I, that there is yeah. there is no way you can effectively develop that story I to was be so shocked yeah. that to learn, as I was finishing up season two, that that was... They were wrapping the whole story up because it didn't feel like... 
that was appropriate to the I, story at all. <laughs> I was wondering. So while you were um, while you were explaining the, mm-hmm. the synopsis, I was wondering because I was like, surely what they did was they just skipped the action park. Um, or not the action. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> That's a very different thing. It's, it's basically the same thing, actually. Um, I don't remember what what the arc is called, but the the like um, the park arc um, is. One of the coolest, actually, in in the entire series. So it's a shame mm. it got cut. Um, and they introduced one of um one of the best characters too, um, who is like an adult person, um, mm-hmm. who is in in the underground hold, which is like I read that in the manga, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, I I heard about I that. Like, that was the like initial disappointment and shock. Was like, uh, people was that that character was that character yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, and they instead yeah showed very deliberately that they were going in a different direction after that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 the thing is like I think that um it's it's one thing to to try to um fit like a lot of story in in a short amount of time. I think yeah. it is possible to develop a story that works very efficiently. I think that Demon Slayer works very efficiently um in that it the storytelling overall um, skips over kind of anything you don't really need. Um, it it, cu- it trims all the fat off. But I feel like this is going a little bit far. And I feel like... Because um, when you were giving the synopsis, I was like, there's no way that they're going to finish the series in this season. Yeah. <laughs> Surely what they must be doing is they must have mapped out three seasons and realized, oh, okay, well, we probably can't um, fit all of it. So we're going to cut like, you know, a good like 30, 50 chapters. <laughs> And then, and then we're going to to be able to finish in in two more seasons. And that was not the case. They they decided to fucking they uh, like, all they, right. We did it. Yeah. We're done. They they cut all of it. Yeah. No. They, they essentially. Cut, yeah. They they, they, they decided to, so to summarize it. Yeah. Um, there's there's no way that any of that could be developed no. properly in that short no. of an amount of time. No. And I do wonder. Like I understand because um, apparently, uh, like you said, the the later parts of the manga were rather divisive. Like some people liked it, some people didn't. Um, and especially like the ending of the manga as well. And so hearing that the creator was involved with season two um, and seeing the way that it was diverging, it felt like maybe it was, it could have been an attempt to kind of remedy those. Um, that's, that's what I suspect. Points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the problem is like, they clearly didn't have the budget or the time to, basically rewrite the whole story in a way that felt appropriate and that matched the pacing of the first um season and and kept while keeping the second season cohesive because the pacing just goes completely out the window in the last three episodes um and uh it's to the detriment of the entire story and if you are going to take a different approach to the story and and just make the anime completely separate from the manga that's totally fine that is your freedom right. to do so but the story still needs to be good right yeah, even it, if it's it is, different it is one thing to take creative license with an adaptation it is another thing entirely to like not be able to commit one way or the other and just end up with a mess yeah it just like i don't know how the manga approaches emma's character um, I guess, like, throughout the whole series or whatever, but kind of towards the end of the anime, she just kind of became, like, a saint-like problem-solver 
magician. Like she would just speak the word and things would happen. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from like Peter's development where he's like, no, heck you. Um, heck you. Every, every time she got involved, people were rather easily convinced, right, to, to join mm-hmm. her side. Mm-hmm. Even Norman, who did end up going through his plan anyway. Afterward, he was convinced to join her side pretty easily. Yeah. So yeah. I think, yeah. Okay. I would I will say that um that is a much smoother transition in the manga um mm-hmm. where uh a lot of those middle chapters Emma has a lot of trouble uh trying to get get people on on her side um mm-hmm. and those chapters are very important for for the development of both the world and the characters um mm-hmm. and it's kind of a shame cuz like it would have been awesome to see that that arc animated, but I mean, like you know, um, can't can't say anything. But like, <laughs> regardless of if you take a different direction, like what you should be doing isn't trying to condense the latter half of oh, I say yeah. the latter half, the yeah. latter eight ninths of the yeah. story into into a single season, right? It's not even it yeah. wasn't even a, a two part season; it was just one season, right? It was yeah, a single, no. yeah, like twelve episode season to fit like. 150 chapters of a manga which is like that's bonkers yeah it wasn't it wasn't like if they were going to go into the re-adaptation or just like the adaptation route Mm -hmm. different from the manga they should have leaned way heavier into it instead of just trying to condense everything if at, at the end of the series what they should have done is they really should have just hard committed to like one or two things develop yes. them and then yes. and then end the series right yes. yeah um and i know this is a lot easier said than done especially with a story like that that sprawls this much yeah um but it those chapters are essential essentially um to the the development of of the stories and the characters like there's real character development that happens in those chapters and it's you can't just cut that out and then not replace it with anything and assume it works, right? Um, it is it is one thing to skip the boring parts uh, by by shortcutting, um, especially if it's something that um, is p- something people are, are familiar with, right? Like if you skipped a training like montage um, or you montaged a training sequence, even right? People mm-hmm. understand what that's supposed to mean. They they understand what happens in that gap, but. Um, the same but they does montage not go. the entire <laughs> right. The same does not go if you montage your character development. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you imagine what it would be like if Avatar: The Last Airbender was only like two books long? Oh my right? god! If it was yeah. only two books long, yeah. and then like between seasons one and two, they just montage Zuko's entire character arc. You'd be like, what the hell? No, they would have had the montage like all of season, all, all of book three and four, and then also half of book two. <laughs> Like, right, right. It exactly. Just, like, it would be crazy. Yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. And I wonder, I'm so curious about the production of this season and how it went down because the first few episodes felt like it was on track, right? I didn't, I yeah, mean, it wasn't yeah. like a, it wasn't as, um, I guess, as compelling as the first season, but it felt like it was its own, it had its own mood and pacing to it. And I was super right. down. I, and then, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how much of the production, because they produce it week to week, how much of it was like a response to like fan backlash about how the the show was going? 
right? Like how much of this was actually thought out beforehand and how much they committed to that versus how much they might have produced in response to people being upset. I I have I have no idea. I would also be very curious to know because it, yeah. it is it's very rare that you see an adaptation that is so like widely disregarded as as terrible, right? Yeah. yeah. Um everybody hates this. And like I feel like it's one of those those um situations where it's hard to justify it because even if the the original creator is involved and decisions were made and creative license was taken um it wasn't to make anything that like felt like anything yeah yeah essentially (laughs) you can't just take all the substance out of a creative work and then say ah yes i have it's just listen it's just an adaptation (laughs) right Mm mm-hmm so you're gonna start to wonder what's happening um yeah and it's, it's such a shame because i think the promised everland is is a really really great manga actually what i noticed about um the um uh when i read through it is that the art is very um it has a graphic novel vibe to it like m- sometimes more so than it has a manga vibe to it the mm. uh the artist for the promised everland is a very proficient illustrationist she um, yeah that that artist is uh, a huge concept artist actually like they, yeah, their work you, is very grounded in that. If you look at the uh, the cover pages, they're they're beautiful and they yes. look yes so different from mm-hmm. um like even even the manga really they're almost in a different mm-hmm. style than the manga is yeah and mm-hmm. they really show off like what uh like the the skills of of the artist and it's it's kind of amazing actually yeah. Yeah. Um but unfortunately we don't we don't get to see any of that in in anime. Um, <laughs> um yeah, I guess like TLDR um maybe just read the manga for Promise Neverland if Yeah, prob- probably story. just read the manga. Yeah. Uh, the first yeah. season of the anime the is, is, is stellar. I, yeah. I it's yeah. it is stellar. It still holds up. Yeah. If you watch the first season and you're like, I kind of hear iffy things about season two, it, it is definitely iffy. I'm, yeah, I, as someone who didn't read the manga, I, I would say that the second season is very flat, like pretty mm-hmm. mediocre. Yeah, it just doesn't really feel, um, and obviously like I, I didn't watch it, but it's from what you've said and from what uh, other people mm-hmm. have kind of uh, reacted to it as such, it yeah. feels... It feels very hollow. It feels like there's just not yeah. um, a lot going on. Like I'm uh, not angry like a lot of people might be. Um I'm just it is hollow and so I feel <laughs> empty after watching yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a shame because you're already yeah. so invested in these characters. I and then, love like, the it characters. Just kind of yeah. Drops off a cliff. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. Um yeah, my recommendation is um it's totally okay to watch the second season of the anime right up until they they get into the bunker and then just st- turn it off. Turn it off <laughs> and read the manga. Yeah. Yeah, everything kind of changes after that. Um pacing-wise, content-wise, everything and not necessarily for the better. Um Yeah. yeah. Everything yeah. with uh everything in the early episodes with like, you know, uh Sonju and Mujika, very cool. Yep. Mhm. Um, I also like, it's such a shame because some of the best characters show up, uh, or get introduced in, in, uh, the, it's like Wonderland Park or something. I think that's what they call it. Um, in that arc and like when, when things happen later, you're like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm not going to speak too much on the manga because obviously like that's not the topic uh, that we're going to talk about here, but. (laughs) 
very very cool uh read the manga and not the anime and i feel like it's such it's it just reminds me of a lot of of the days when i was like reading a lot of books and i I watched the movie adaptations and i was like oh this sucks boo (laughs) at the end of the day people will never be perfectly happy with an adaptation right you'll always see something that they're like oh this could have been better this could have been better yeah of course I, i mean Unless you're talking about the second half of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, but like, you know, <gasps> not everything can be the second half of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. <laughs> not everything can be Full Metal Alchemist, period. <laughs> like... Not everything can be Full Metal Alchemist. Some some things are only Full Metal Alchemist 2009. Like, literally, I was watching, like, as I was oh, wait, watching. wait, was it 2006? No, wait, that's the Fade adaptation. Never mind. Yeah. Um, as I was watching the season two and I saw the Full Metal Alchemist doors, I was like, man. I wish this was as good as what they uh, right. did with Full Metal Alchemist. Well, that's that's what works so well about Full Metal Alchemist is that it is like sixty four episodes long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They had time, and each episode is a fucking banger. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's uh God, yeah, uh, it's Promise Neverland season two could have been much better. Um, yeah. Unfortunate, unfortunate. Just yeah, read the manga. It's really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is a shame because like all of the things that happen at the very end of the of the series is this like beautiful like uh, rolling like inexorable crescendo. This like climax that happens that has that takes parts from like every single thing that's happened, right? Like the reveal where um, Isabella it has like turned on um, the like farms and and has gotten all the mothers to rebel with her is very cool in the manga mm-hmm. because there's a lot of like um, cuts where uh, Isabella is like promoted to grandmother and like um, chapters devoted to like. Um, her right and all mm-hmm. of the other mothers being like um, you know uh, uh, being like oh man Isabella she thinks she's so great etc mm-hmm, etc right mm-hmm. um, all of that becomes very like it, it's rewarding when you go through the effort of of reading through everything um, mm-hmm. when things come back up like it's it's like one of the very like basics of like manga storytelling where like these these like cycles right these like recurring things when things come back and like readers are familiar with them and they care about them, the impact is much larger. So if you forego all of that, then none of it is gonna feel like anything, which is just right, such yeah. a shame. Yeah. Um anyway, we gotta we gotta move on. Um, <laughs> um I did not watch this, but I highly recommend that you should watch the second season of Yuru Camp. I watched um, it. Oh my gosh. I I also highly recommend it. Um Hell yeah. It it of course maintains the the beautiful like nice pacing and and music and scenery from season one but it explores some interesting like uh in-depth i would say um i guess like philosophy behind camping Hmm. um why uh, different people might like it and different reasons what how they might approach it and what they would do while camping and stuff like that and it also explores more of the girls relationships with each other and their friendships and and how they they're they're just like their group camping dynamic um uh so it like takes season one and expands on it in a nice way um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so if you like season one definitely i highly recommend season two nice i'm I'm definitely gonna go back and watch it 100 percent. yeah yep 
Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of seasons two, uh, I did not finish, but we did watch a, a, a considerable amount of Cells at Work season two. Yeah, we did not finish it. Um, um, but but yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's not the kind of show you have to finish, really. I, I want to, though, because I think um, I think I want to see how it develops, like how, what it's going to do with, like, I guess, the climax of this season. You know, like how they're. Yeah, gonna that's fair. Go with um, it. Yeah. Now, I did. <laughs> I did almost finish Cells at Work Code Black. And um. Oh my god, I really want to talk about this with you. Yeah. Like, uh, what? Okay, so here's the thing. Cells at Work is a very cute edutainment show, right? You learn things about cells. Um, They're they're like gajinkid, like anime uh, characters that they're very cute and they interact and you're like, oh, haha, that's like, that's funny. Um, Renny gets a lot of enjoyment because she already knows all these things about the body. Um, And Cells at Work Code Black is Cells at Work, but edgy. But (laughs) weirdly, Cells at Work Code Black actually develops its own identity. Yes. Yes. Becomes its own, like, narrative. Yes. (laughs) That has progression and, like, character development and is satisfying to watch. And I legitimately got emotional watching yeah. some of the episodes <laughs> oh my what, god what is what a, happening what a left field turn for this spin-off oh it is my so god. like when you first start this like i would say like the first half of the season right for code black you're like okay well it's the edgy cousin of right the original <laughs> cells at work but then it gets into the deep narrative stuff towards the end right. of the season <laughs> like oh no i was like, expecting oh to God. feel things about these cells <laughs> well because okay the thing is that cells at work is like uh code black it, it feels at the very early episodes feels like a very like black comedy it's like very yeah, yeah. dark humor yes it's like oh everybody's yes. overworked all the time like uh every everything sucks like the the body is like on its way down it's, it's on its way out and yeah. um and then and then, like, you start getting attached to the characters because they, yeah. like, go through a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And, and like, then there's an episode where, like, the the best friend character gets, like, addicted to caffeine. And he almost gets flushed <laughs> out of the system. And, like, he holds his hand out to grab him. And it's just like, we're bros forever. And you're like, oh, my God. And then and then later, um, the last episode I watched is oh, the one where he was, like, getting overworked. On. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's just like... You gotta slack off, man. Like, and he's just like, no, f- fuck you. I, I'll do what I want. Like, yeah. why do you, why do you care? He's like, because you didn't leave me. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the last episode that you watched. That's the last episode I watched. You, you just don't expect the like. You don't expect the emotional oh my beats god. to hit. It's so good. Like you, you can legitimately see. Like you, you actually see these kinds of things in an abusive work environment where the workers get so brainwashed by, uh, like this constant narrative of the company's gonna fail, the world's gonna fail unless you keep working, unless you meet your deadlines, and that's what ends up uh, spiraling for the main character is that he gets into the state of mind, and then. It takes his friend, whom he had saved earlier on, to kind of like be like, "Yo, like you got to take a step back and 
uh, they kind of balance each other out. And it's so crazy how much that translates to actual work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also just like actual relationships in general. Like sometimes your friend gets caught up in it and you got to bring them back and then you get caught up in it and they got to bring you back. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, um, I, <laughs> go on. I, I'm just going to say like, definitely keep watching because they keep developing that narrative. Um, to the end, and I would say the ending is really, really good. Um, yeah, I um, shockingly good. I was not expecting because um, my expectations for Cells at Work Code Black was yeah, like it was going to be structured like Cells at Work. Yeah, yeah, your expectations like a, are pretty low, like low stakes. It's, you know, it's, it's you know, um, like obviously the, the stakes are a little higher. Everything's a little bit more grimy a little bit. Yeah, right, exactly. But like, but, um, yeah. it uh. I expected it to be like a monster of the week show, and it was yes, for a, yes. a, quite a, a large, you know, like yeah. probably about half of it. And mm-hmm. then, like all of a sudden, um, you then realize, oh wait, hold on, we're hitting a narrative. Wait, hold on, I care about these characters. <laughs> wait, what is happening? They start building on things previously set up, and it's like, but I wasn't expecting this. I was just expecting things to just reset every week. <laughs> yeah, like there's there's narrative progress that happens. Yeah, like. Yeah. Huh. It's huge. Oh man, it gets oh. huge later on too. <laughs> so it's and and like the thing is that um I uh I was not expecting this show to be like a, a kind of a prescient um or or a uh you know a uh an a, an accurate I guess piece about like what it feels like to be working um like in the drudgery of like a uh, of an abusive company mm-hmm. in the midst of an environmental meltdown yeah right like yeah oh. <laughs> I, <laughs> right i the- i expected it to kind of just be like uh like a almost like an au right where it's mm-hmm. just kind of okay well it's these it's like these characters are put in a different universe and then they're under different conditions but you know things are generally like they'll work out <laughs> you know or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah yeah the pacing or you know the the feel is very different but the general pacing is going to be very similar but no it's mm-hmm. well it's <laughs> it's it's interesting because it it becomes this story about like the world and about environmental collapse and yeah. like the sort of sh- the responsibility that we kind of all feel towards that but are also our inability to do anything about it like yeah yeah. It it's like you you have to just continue to do what you're doing despite the fact that um you know uh things outside of your control are just continually getting worse and you can feel them getting worse and you can feel mm-hmm. the impacts that they're having, right? Mm-hmm. Um what what the fuck? Like <laughs> Yeah, the it second was, half of this show. It's a good metaphor. Exactly. It's it shockingly good. Quite, quite naturally. <laughs> and what? Yeah, you don't expect it out of this show, but my God, the second half is like mind blowing. Like, oh my God. <laughs> They're yeah, the really making ha- some insightful commentary here. <laughs> this, the second half of the show is a banger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like low key, it's it's really good. It's really good. I was really surprised. I was like, oh my god, I can't stop watching. I gotta binge the rest. 
Well, because I, I, I was like, um, so today, um, I was busy most of the day, right? Um, I went, yeah. gro- I went grocery shopping. Uh, I, I cooked a, a nice, lovely dinner for my, for my family. Um, and then I, I came over, uh, to my, to my shed. I trundled over, and then I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably watch an episode or two of, of an extra of extra anime because I finished mm-hmm. um, Skate and I finished uh, One Drag Priority. Yeah, um, more on those two shows later. Yeah, but I was like, I should probably finish something um, or at least try to get a couple more episodes in of something. And yeah. um, I chose Cells at Work Code Black because like we were just the most progressed in that show. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. When we left off, and mm-hmm. the two episodes I watched, <laughs> I was like actually really invested. And I was like. <laughs> care a lot about what's happening right now like i care a lot about what's happening right now like when when they feel the despair and they see the like um the state of the world you're like oh my god my my heart and then when they like take a break and they see the beauty of the world continuing without them i'm like yeah right the beauty of the world that part really touched me i was so moved I was not expecting no starting today to get in emotionally invested in in cell gajinkas, but uh, here we are. Um, so cells at work code black weirdly is is not just like edgy cells at work. It's like cells at work, but like with a narrative, like a through line narrative. And oh, it is crazy. Yeah. Oh my god! And it's, also uh... just the fact that. Yeah, it, it's just kind of darkly comedic that everything in this body gets worse over time. It's yes, like, ah, you know we got like stress and hair loss and like um, yeah. uh, and like erectile dysfunction. Oh, by the way, um, kidney stones, bam. Um, blood clots, bam. Oh my god, clogging the, a pulmonary artery, bam. The freaking embolism. Like I was literally at my old studio. We, you know, we did a lot of like medical legal work um, where we do we produce. Um, exhibits for uh lawyers who were presenting um medical malpractice cases right and they were mm-hmm. suing like a, a hospital or a doctor or whatever one of the cases that we worked was uh about a pulmonary embolism where hmm. a blood clot in a man's leg due to the uh the the surgery being performed incorrectly traveled up to his heart and in or uh, traveled up to yeah towards his heart and got stuck um but his pulmonary artery, and he died. <laughs> and and so when I saw in the show that they were talking about like an embolism, and and it was it was traveling, and it was getting clotted, and I was like, "Yo, this person has like minutes before they're dead." <laughs> like yeah. it was it was crazy. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so compelling." Well, you well yeah, it's like such a such a like do or die situation. Yeah, and then yeah. like. The characters take it upon themselves to like yeah. act in heroic ways to yeah. save the body yeah. because they're just little <laughs> cells. You're like, oh my, I I care a lot about this. Yeah, like, and it, it you're like the stakes actually feel impactful, and the actions of the characters actually feel impactful, and the choices that may that they make feel compelling, and. How did I, how did I get to this point in my life? I know. <laughs> I walked away I from ready. this anime like that was great. <laughs> like that was really good. Yeah. I, I I will say I I um to give the anime credit, I do think it becomes um very compelling uh, probably around the the gonorrhea episode 
when, um, which is a very funny statement <laughs> yeah. out of context, yeah. right? Where it's like, oh, no, I promise. The anime gets very good around the gonorrhea episode, right? Um, but legitimately, um, that's, the, that's kind of, I feel like, the first time when um, the stakes really do feel very yeah. dire yeah. and you see mm-hmm. the, the sacrifice that the cells are making. And yeah. um, you begin to root for them and you begin to care for them. And mm-hmm. like, no... <laughs> No joke. Watching this show makes me feel like, oh god, I gotta get up and do some exercise, and take a shower. Holy <laughs> there fuck! There is so much like guilt tripping in this. I anime. was like, oh no! <laughs> like you better take care of your body, or else your cells are gonna suffer. <laughs> right, but like this poor dude, he gets erectile dysfunction and then gonorrhea. His hair falls out, and then he has to work overtime for two days straight, and gets a blood clot because of it. What the fuck? Yeah, there is, um, I think it illustrates really well the cascading effect of how you think you have one problem, but it spirals into another and then into another when it comes to your health. And so you just have to take care of yourself as best you can. Uh, Yeah, and it's also also like uh, a cautionary tale about about abusive work environments. Oh, yeah, yeah. um, The ways in which... uh, you know your your company should should not you know um do that to you obviously like it, it all it feels like a kind of a chiding response to oh, Japanese yeah. work culture yeah definitely there's a whole lot it goes rather heavy-handed at times i would say like kind of like holier than thou on my pedestal kind of feel sometimes yeah, like, yeah you yeah, should have yeah. you should have taken care of your body or like why is he doing this to his body um but at the same time if you really look at it you can kind of understand why this dude is coping the way that he is with booze and well, yeah. with caffeine because he's 100%. in a terrible yeah because he in himself is probably in a black uh a code black environment himself so it's 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 actually it's very interesting because um i think that um in in a in a funny way um all of these these things happening week after week to this man's body are very funny in a dark way but yeah. also like um it's actually very interesting because it actually does tell a, a narrative. It serves a narrative mm-hmm. purpose. Because mm-hmm. um, here's the thing about cells at work, uh, where we we joked about how like everything happens to this person's body. Yeah. Like, everything's yeah. going wrong, right? Yeah. Um, but the body is healthy enough to deal with it. Um, mm-hmm. But weirdly, in cells at work, code black because those things reverberate out and like affect the body and like cascade into other consequences. Mm-hmm. It feels more permanent, and it feels yeah. like there's actually a narrative being um, created about this person that we never see, which I think is yes. actually really cool. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, right? like, you get curious about what's happening in his life. <laughs> right, like, you you know, you can tell that this is probably, like, just, like, a middle-aged salary man. He's, he's yeah. being overworked. Um, yes. He works at a really shitty company. Yeah. Um, he hasn't taken care of his body for probably a, a multitude of reasons, but, like, yeah. you know... Um, there's kind of no helping it now. And, like, his body is just doing the best it can to, like, keep him up. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I'm i so compelled. Yeah. I'm, I'm invested. It is. I need, legitimately I need to finish this anime. Great. I, I highly recommend that you finish it. The, the ending is so, like, I really thought it was extremely appropriate. Um I, and, I yeah. okay. I, I will I will say, um, I have read the title cards for the episodes, and, um, <laughs> I think I have an idea of what happens. Okay. In the last <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's something it's something like uh like heart attack like uh revival the end. 
<laughs> or something something incredibly telling like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh I I do remember while watching his show, I was like, is the end of this series that he's just gonna die? <laughs> he's going to die and the cells are going to experience cell death. That's what I was expecting. Um, it looks like that's not necessarily the case, which I, I guess I'm glad about because um, I've suddenly invested. So good, good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So those those shows. Uh. We. I didn't finish Stone Wars. Um. Doctor. I did. Stone oh Wars, my god. But you did. Yeah. And it was fun. I. <laughs> I have read the manga though. Um. And I, okay. I'm pretty sure this is a, a fairly faithful adaptation. It's no uh, promise Neverland to tell you that. Yeah, yeah. I, I have. How much of the manga have you read? Like, you, oh, I'm caught up. You, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah um, I, I, I've actually really enjoyed the last, uh, the last couple chapters. Um, I or, or the last arc in general. I think it, um, it's a much needed like, uh, it's a much needed counterbalance to the rest of the show. Um, okay. or the series rather. Um, mm-hmm. I, I won't go into it much more than that. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that they'll continue adapting it because it's been a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure they will. Yeah. It's a very popular series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How did you um, How did you enjoy mm-hmm. it? Anything to say? Any notes? No, I mean, I think it was fun. Um, yeah, they just they just keep going through the story in a way that's really entertaining. Um, and I don't I don't really have any complaints about it actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, if you like the first season, you'll like the second one. It's nice. Kind of kind of like the year camp, you know. <laughs> Good. Love to see it. Love mm-hmm. to see it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, let's see. What's what's next? Um, okay. One that we actually did finish, or I finished. Um, I don't know if you did. Um, but I finished Heaven's Design Team. I did not finish that. I'm like a couple episodes away from finishing okay. it. Um, yeah. Heaven's Design Team. Um, feels very much like Cells at Work, where it's uh, it's very like uh funny uh edutainment. Right, mm-hmm. you learn some things about animals, and um, uh, it's presented to you with these like colorful, uh, fun, distinct yeah. characters, and yeah, that's very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable all the way through. Um, I did learn some really fucked up shit about moles. <laughs> I learned some really <sighs> fucked up shit about naked mole rats. Oh, the animal kingdom has uh. A lot going on. <laughs> the animal kingdom is truly frightening. <laughs> like, when, when, okay, so I, I don't remember if, like, I'm pretty sure we watched this episode together, but, uh, or, or I may, I may have watched it, um, mm-hmm. alone. Anyway, um, oh no, we did watch it together. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Naked Mole Rats? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, where I was like, Oh, th- th- this is probably like ants, right? Because they're like, oh, we, we like right, dig yeah, tunnels. Yeah. We live underground. We dig tunnels through uh, potatoes <laughs> and tubers. Yeah. Uh, we have a queen and uh, she, you know, kind of mind controls us. We, we don't have any like, uh, we're all workers. Uh, we all have, um, you know, the workers aren't like sexually developed. And everything that they're talking about is like, oh, yeah, it sounds like ants. And then you learn about, about mole rats. And you're like, yeah. I didn't know mammals could be like that. It, it like it uh, suddenly makes sense because they're all dressed in pink and it's like I was like the whole time I was like why are they pink why are they pink <laughs> there's a reason for this <laughs> yeah I was, I, and, and I was like wait so like 
So like they 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 use the 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 hormones in their poop to mind control the, <laughs> each other. And that's how the queen maintains the the presence as the queen of the. Oh my god. Oh my um, god. I learned some. I learned a lot of things about animals that I like. Uh, that were very fun, and I I enjoyed them very much. I also learned some things I wish I had never learned we, about uh, animals. Animals are truly <laughs> horrifying. I'd say we come away mostly, obviously, more educated. Um, we came away with a lot of neat facts um, and some horrific ones. We, but overwhelmingly we be- nice, neat facts. <laughs> we become educated, and we are burdened with the weight of the knowledge we bear for the rest of our lives. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um. The show overall is like super well done. I really liked it. It's it very, was- very, very cute. I I love this show. Um, yeah. And it gives me. It gives me as much joy as as Cells at Work does. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a lot of joy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so fun. It's a really easy watch. You just you just oh, tune yeah, in sure. and you learn a couple things and then you're out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's great. It's great. Mm-hmm. I, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I also highly recommend reading the manga. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's equally cute. I, nice. I liked learning about animals. Uh. <laughs> Even if I learned some truly unforgettably horrific knowledge. <laughs> and I like the characters a lot too, the design team themselves, the designers. And yeah, they're, they're very really charming. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the way that they're characterized. Um, yeah. And it's very cute. I mean, what, what more is there to say about this show? Yeah. Like, um, it's very, I like the, it's very funny, the idea of animals as, like, requests to a design team. Oh, it's so hilarious. <laughs> the concepts that they this have is, to work off of. <laughs> this is 100%, like, something that, that just could not exist in, in any other culture but Japan. <laughs> I like, want something fluffy is, but spiky. And, and but, Well, this is, it's such a... <laughs> It's such a Japanese way of looking at it, like culturally, yeah. to, to just be oh, like, yeah, definitely. what if animals, but outsourced <laughs> to a design company? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, their work culture is very Japanese too. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, 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 what a delight of a show. It's, it's so, it's, it's such so a good fun. watch. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about skate. The Infinity. Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, boy, where where do we, where does one start with Skate? Where do we begin? <laughs> so, Skate the Infinity is about skateboarding. Yeah, it's about boys skateboarding. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it is no joke. Probably the best show of the series season uh, yeah <laughs> i i think that would that's very well not you know you know i would i think i could agree with that i think it is the probably the the best produced one um it's certain well okay so here's the thing is that um the finished product is very good yeah um but it, uh, and, and this is uh, I'll I'll link a an article about this. But both this show and One Drag Priority went yeah. through 
production meltdowns. Like what Um, what kind of costs did these teams have to pay in order to produce such a good product, you know? (laughs) And um, both both of them had to have a sudden um, recap episode, essentially. Yes, yes. Um, Which, woof. Uh... (laughs) Uh, there, there's an entire article that I, I will link about, um, about like that production kind of um, mishap that happened. But I mean, needless to say, it it does reveal one one thing about anime, which is that even even the good shows have some something happening mm-hmm. uh, underneath uh, all all the stuff. And like, man, um, kind it's kind of a shame, right? Because uh, obviously we we watch a lot of anime we talk about a lot of anime and Mm -hmm. um it is important to recognize just how dire the circumstances are for animators which are you know the the backbone the lifeblood the flesh of the the anime industry Mm um yeah um it it really is it really is a shame um and i wish we could move into a better space but like really only like only like kyoani does that um Kiwani does have another anime coming out though i guess um they're coming out with the second season of uh of dragon maid which, yeah. which is mm-hmm. nice yeah yeah um but yeah putting putting that aside um because uh i'm, I'm not gonna recap the article but essentially like skate the infinity had like one person basically like storyboard and like key animate every single episode which mm-hmm. is just, just, just nuts. that is just it's bonkers yeah um and then um Wonder Egg Priority was a very small team that worked on every single episode, which yeah. yeah. I mean it's it's one of those things where you have a hard time blaming them because you know just how much that like how much people want to do that, right? Yeah. Um being able to work on a show where you have a lot of like creative freedom to do what you want and to be able to to tell the story that you want to and you know to be strapped to the like production timeline of a, of a japanese televised anime is mm-hmm. honestly a shame right mm-hmm. and um like there there are you know obviously studios that can put out uh amazing amazing stuff on on these like really tight schedules um but like boy it, it just churns through people yeah, like definitely it it is always something to recognize as you know people who uh watch and love anime to to see the people behind um the anime who you know put it in front of your eyeballs right yeah and to give to, to spare a thought or two about like just just how disposable they are considered mm-hmm. really Mm-hmm. Which is a shame, cause um, Skate the Infinity fucking slaps. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Skate the Infinity it's, fucking slaps. It's oh my so, god! It's so fun to watch. Um, <laughs> they did such a good job with it. Like, so Skate the Infinity has a very simple premise. Yeah. It has a very simple story progression. Yeah. It is done very very well. Really well. <laughs> Because, like, all of the stuff that happens is, like, so, so predictable, right? You have, mm-hmm. like, um, mm-hmm. you have, like, the, the, the two main characters, uh, one who has definitely some, like, trauma surrounding, like, um, uh, the death of his father, right? The absence mm-hmm. of his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
his inability to like kind of enjoy snowboarding after that, even though he's he's been doing it for such a long time. Um, and then uh, you have the main character who uh, wants to to build skateboards, but mm-hmm. um, also wants to be a good skater. And yeah. he sees all these people in front of him who are so talented, and the gap feels so big. Yeah. And he feels like the the inadequacy of of like the imposter syndrome of being yeah. around those people. Mm-hmm. And it's like that's like it's such a like bread and butter, like um very simple like uh um conflict, right? Yeah. It's been done a million times before. Mm-hmm. But it, it hits, right? It's good. It does. It you works really feel for the characters. <laughs> you you care about them and you feel for them and you and you feel where they're coming from, like both of them, because yeah. <laughs> um, here you have, um, you know, uh, one character who uh, is like, I really, I, I want to skate with with Adam, um, <laughs> who we're from now on we're just gonna call Skateboard Dio, <laughs> because holy shit, it's oh my God. okay. So his voice actor is 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 Takito Koyasu, who is the voice actor of Dio. But yeah. literally everything he does is extremely Dio. Yeah. <laughs> he literally he literally has uh, uh this like skateboard attack where mm-hmm. he whips his skateboard around and slams it down and forces himself like to go backwards up a hill and like uses it to like slam into people. And they're like, what the fuck? Nabuhagu. Nabuhagu. <laughs> and then he has another thing where he just stops. He gets off his fucking skateboard and he decks somebody with it. He just he goes, picks wham. It up and slaps them in the face with it. And he calls it an, an attack. Or, but like, he, he gave it like a name. <laughs> And it's I, like, no, you just assaulted, you just attacked someone with your skateboard. It doesn't need a name. <laughs> I saw that happen. I was like, what? Oh, what? What? What did this show become? Yeah, yeah. I, that was exactly my feeling when I saw that moment, too. I was like, <gasps> I didn't think we'd go this far. Yeah, I was like, this isn't a skateboard trick. This is assault. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's oh my god. <laughs> this isn't uh, a race anymore. This isn't about skateboarding. This is about people trying to kill other people. <laughs> I I I like um that the entire show is about why people like skateboarding. Um, yeah. Cause so Skate the Infinity is is, is a sports anime, right? Um, yes. It is about a sport. It's about an unconventional sport, but it is about a sport. Yes. Um, and so like it's pretty obvious what you do with a sports anime like you you talk about like the competition you talk mm-hmm. about why the character's relationship to the sport um, mm-hmm. why they care about it their personal like you know connections to it and skate does a really good job of um i think uh exploring um Reki and his um his relationship to skateboarding because he he loves it he introduces um oh shit what's the other character's name Langa? Yes, Langa. Uh, he introduces Langa to it, and um, he becomes better than him very rapidly. And he feels inadequate because he's like, I've been skateboarding for so long, and I like there's a, there's a, ver- a vast gulf between us. And, um, and then they have a, a, a section where um, he's like, 
uh, where he sees the the interview on TV where it's like, oh, I couldn't compete, but uh, I wanted to support the the thing in any way I could, and he's like, yeah, I guess I could do that, and then he realizes he doesn't want to do that, and I think that's that's a great, 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 great oh, double back. It arc. is such a good like because you kind of see it coming, you know, like okay, well, he likes to make skateboards, and Lung is really good at skateboarding. I bet he'll just kind of fall into the support role, right, but he role. doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't let go and- of the fact that he loves skateboarding. I mean, you know, like, it's like he, he still wants to, to, he still thinks that it's fun and he doesn't want to relegate himself to just a support. Yeah. And I, I love that because I yeah. think that, um, a lot of times you have that arc ve- played very straight and like, yeah, it's just expected, right? It's like, yes, okay, exactly. May, it's expected. I may not mm-hmm. be able to compete with the, mm-hmm. the blessed monsters mm-hmm. uh, at the higher yeah, end of the right. skateboarding, but, right. um, I also I, I love the sport so much. I'll I'll uh support it any way I can. And here you have a character who is like I mean, he's a teenager and he's acting in such a volatile way where he's just like my my friend is better than me at skateboarding, so I yeah. just won't talk to him anymore. He does like he deserves yeah. better than to be with me. And, right. Um I like that his character arc is is coming around to the fact that like no, actually, like I want to skateboard next to my friend, right? right. I want to yeah. be good enough to be skateboarding by his side, which is yeah. super, super gay, but, I mean, sports <laughs> anime, right? Um, and I like that uh, Longa's uh, arc is is different, where yes. he really takes to skateboarding, and he really starts to enjoy it, and he becomes very good at it very quickly. Um, but his arc is about realizing that he really likes skateboarding because Reki is with him, which yeah. is, again, super gay. Um... The, I mean, it's a sports anime, so the, the the homosexual subtext is out of this world. Yes. Um, but that's great. And then, and then you have um, the other the other characters, right? Um, you have uh, uh, Cherry and Joe, who uh, you get their development later on, um, and their uh, relationship to to skate skater Dio, right? Um, <laughs> Where skateboarding is also very important to all of them. And mm-hmm. you see that Skater Dio, uh, in very classic villain fashion, um, has taken like his uh hang-ups and uh his twisted sense of like um of like, you know, what love is and has uh, applied it uh, in a way that uh is hurting other people, right? Yeah. Um his conviction is is uh is not the thing that's incorrect. It's it's like you know, um, it's the way that uh, there's a base assumption that's like kind of gone awry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I kind of like that there there is like just an entire arc about um, like his his sort of twisted upbringing and like the expectations yeah. mm-hmm. of his father mm-hmm. and um, the burden of like making a friend and then like having that friend essentially abandon you when you mm-hmm. need him the most. Um, I like that we get um that little like uh that in that little uh progression where um his like uh his like, servant I guess his like secretary <laughs> is like no I did this I have to take responsibility but like he learns that like it's it's all very well done because it's it's actually all written in a way where it's it's like very grounded and very like um it's a very basic progression 
for all of the characters, but mm-hmm. they're kind of intertwined in a way that makes them interesting and they're done well, right? They're not just, yeah. they don't feel like they're mm-hmm. throwaway. It feels yeah. like I actually should be caring about these things. Yeah. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. Honestly, like, it seems to be so difficult to get a, a simple story right. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, State yes. Infinity absolutely <laughs> nails it. Like, yeah. Knocks it out of the park. Um, yeah. And the skateboarding looks so good. It looks great. Oh, it never <laughs> stops looking good. Um, production meltdowns aside, it never stops looking good. Like you could tell that in some of the places they're like, okay, this is not a skateboarding scene, so we we shouldn't really put that much. Into yes, it. yes, yes. There, there's, there's quite a bit of that. Like, um, I would say Especially more towards the, the end. Half, yeah. yeah, but um, you don't really mind it because the story is still. You know, it's still going, and you're like, okay, well, I can understand why they had to do this because they need to save this budget for when they actually skateboard. Right, um, right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I I like Skater Dio's like entire uh, arc, and then like uh, Longa getting pulled into his like twisted sense yeah. of of the world, yeah. and then being pulled out by Reki, and yeah. then uh, and then Longa's like, <laughs> but no, I won't, I won't leave you here too. I'm going to make you learn that skateboarding is fun. And it's such a, like, it's such a silly, childish, like, It's super anime. <laughs> yeah. But it's so good. Yeah, it's so and it, great. And it lands so well. <laughs> and you're like, yes. Because, like, this is, I mean, this is a show about a sport with a yes. very obvious villain, right? Yes, yes. He's such a bad guy. Yeah. He sends other skateboarders to the hospital. Yeah. And, like, he essentially just removes their will to skate. He's just like, mm-hmm. mm, yes, so you're <laughs> approaching me. Um, but, like... I mean, at the end of the day, like he too is skating for for a reason, and and you see the reasons why why he is, and you can see the logic behind like why Langa is able to to pull him out of that um out of that like twisted sense of his own like loneliness, and like into a world where like he's with other people and has relationships with other people. Like the thing about skateboarding is um. What's central to skateboarding in this show is that skateboarding is not about riding a board with four wheels. It It's about, <laughs> like, doing that with other people. There's a real sense of, like, community, which I yeah, think is 100%. so... Um... Like you, you, you just see it when you go to like a skate park or when you see like media coverage of skateboarders is that they have a real sense of community. And it's not just about like, you know, doing fancy tricks and, and, and having fun. It's like enjoying the company of other people who are uh, also doing this thing that they love just like you love it. And they're all in, and I love that the show really captures that, um, it's not just about you know the sport, but it's about the feelings that arise from it, and and how that connects everyone together. <laughs> Inf- infinity, bro. It's they're gonna skate into infinity, bro. <laughs> I mean, okay, like it's it's just so exhausting talking about this, like after years of being queer baited, but like. <laughs> 
tell me that that last <laughs> hug wasn't a Yuri on ice, like aborted, like <laughs> like. <laughs> it's oh so God. exhausting talking about this after being queer baited for <laughs> years. But like, <laughs> when somebody asks you. <laughs> or when somebody tells you they want to skate with you for infinity? <laughs> That's a proposal! <laughs> when you... Bro, when he thought... When Langa thought he was going to die during that race, and then he thinks about Reiki. <laughs> <laughs> like... It is okay. There, it is one thing for sports anime to have homosexual subtext. <laughs> it's always there, <laughs> and my, but my God, is this something else? It I tell really you. In, Longa sits in Reki's room and looks over Reki's like old childhood pictures with like such a fond, loving look on his. It's like, oh my God, <laughs> you all didn't need to go this far. <laughs> now there is there is no substitute for real queer representation, but holy shit, man! I tell you, it is not it is not a, a very difficult leap to make here. <laughs> Um, but hey, whatever. Um, uh, this show is really good. It's fun. It is such a good it's like watch. It's <laughs> like super fun. Mm-hmm. It's a super great watch. Um, yeah. all the characters are written like really well, like yeah. <laughs> very simply, but very well. Yeah. Um, I like that we got backstory about Cherry and Joe, uh, and yeah. their relationship to Skater mm-hmm. Dio. Mm-hmm. Like that, I think to me was one of the the moments that really grounded um, Skater Dio as as like a villain um, because you can see like the progression from like um, you know uh, misunderstood child to rebellious teenager to like uh, twisted adult, right? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it's it's great, mm. delicious, so good. <laughs> I hate sports anime. Because I hate sports, right? <laughs> but I like sports anime because um, I like stories about people who care a lot about things. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the, the, the thing to me is it's very difficult for me to overcome the hurdle of enjoying sports anime because it's about sports, mm-hmm. um, even though it's not really about sports. Uh, Haikyuu does a great job. Um, oh, yeah. Skate the Infinity does a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, there's a lot of, of game, right? There's a lot of sport in the middle of that. And I have oftentimes have a hard time getting through that, especially if it's a sport I really... Like, I don't care, I don't care about baseball. I'm so sorry. I just don't care about baseball. I think uh, uh, the mark of, like, a really good sports anime is isn't necessarily, like, how well it shows a sport. Obviously, that's a huge factor of it. But um, it's, it's about the story. And yeah, if the no, story 100%. manages to make you care about the sport, then it's done its job, you know, it, I think- as a sports anime. The problem to me is that sports anime feels like a lot of it is basically just continuing to follow the same templates that have been in place since the 80s. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a shame, because like, yeah. I think there are much more interesting stories you can tell with sports. Like, I, Oh, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. I love Skate the Infinity, right? Um, yeah. 
I love Haikyuu. And they're very straightforward mm-hmm. shows about loving a sport and what it means to love a sport. Yeah. Um, because Haikyuu, I think, trends more uh, on the lines of I love volleyball. Yeah. Um, and everyone has their own reasons and their relationships for towards volleyball. Um, and, like, they care about their teammates and they care about winning as a team. Um but also, like, uh, I feel like it's it's very different from skate, where skate is so much more about skateboard as a vector for relating to other people, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's very cool. Yeah, I love um, ping pong, the animation. Yeah, um, because it it is this story about like uh, you know willpower and determination um, and all of the stuff that's like juicy about sports anime, but distilled down and like. You know, like, ping pong is a very simple sport, so it's pretty easy to get across and also pretty easy to, like, not spend too much time on, um, if you know what I mean. Like, sure, some, yeah. some sports are very complicated. Some sports yes. have a lot of rules. A lot of rules. <laughs> Even mm-hmm. volleyball felt like it had a lot of rules to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's... To me, a standout sports show uh, is obviously about the characters and the narrative. Um, but mm-hmm. weirdly, it feels like a lot of sports shows d- don't distinguish themselves in any way. Like, they run through the same tropes, and they they kind of just do it without really thinking about it. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a shame, because I, I do like the sports anime that I have watched. Uh, or that I have in- enjoyed. It's a weird, sur- it's a weird like circular phrasing, but like, um, I don't hate sports anime. I just don't like sports. I don't really <laughs> care about sports, but I like sports as a vector for uh for like competition and yeah, um, of course, you know the range yeah. of emotions of of the human experience. Yeah, 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 definitely. All right. Oh, it has been a, already quite the long episode, but um, let us talk about Wonder Egg Priority. Yeah. Um, this is the doozy, really. Um, this is really the doozy. <laughs> um, so Wonder Egg Priority is, uh, and and big spoilers, big 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 spoilers. Um, Wonder Egg Priority also went through a production meltdown. They had to do a recap episode. Um, and kind of feels like they had to do a recap episode yeah because the last episode does is definitely not a last episode yeah yeah i I, felt the same way it isn't bad as a last episode i think that they do a lot of things right in that episode specifically um but I also think that uh, it, it just doesn't feel like a, a last episode. One hundred percent, it does not feel like a last episode. No, um, it and it's it's so hard to talk about the series without having its conclusion, um, which is a shame because the last the the special OVA episode, which is to say the last episode of the series, will come out in like the end of June, I think, is when they announced it. Oh my god, really? <laughs> so, um... We can't really talk about the end of the series and the conclusions that it comes to and what it has to say for itself until then, but we can talk about the rest of the stuff, which which we will do. Um, So I mentioned 
uh, on on the sampler episode that this this show to me feels like uh, Madoka, but with a point. And I I didn't realize it then, but actually they they are magical girls. Like, <laughs> um, oh I, god, definitely. <laughs> I did not realize it at the time um, yeah. when we recorded that episode, but um, weeks later I was like, oh oh, they are actually magical girls. Yes, they they. It doesn't seem quite that way in the beginning because uh, everything is so like weird you know um everything is meant to be kind of like startling and disjointed and you don't really know what's going on but then as they start finding their way through the world and they're finding ways to fight back Mm -hmm. it a hundred percent becomes a magical girl show (laughs) yeah yeah um so i do want to start with the stuff that i liked because there is a lot about the show that i loved Um, yeah Mm -hmm. i i would say probably up until episode like i think like up until episode like ten, probably, um, mm. I would have ranked this as as the the number one anime of the season. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, no contest. Um, yeah, skate. I think manages to edge it out a little bit, uh, just because. Um, oh boy, I'm not gonna talk about the, the downsides yet. But okay, here's here's <laughs> what I liked about the show. Um, yeah, I like what the show is about. Um, yes, yes, because it it is about girls, like young women. Um, and the abuse that society, um, pushes upon them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is about, uh, girls who commit suicide. And, okay, before we continue, there is another content warning I have to make. Um, and I didn't, I didn't realize it at the time, but, um, uh, 100%, if you're going to watch this show, um, Big content warning for like self harm and like suicidal ideation because like there is a there is an episode really about that and I even I was like whoa okay or, yeah okay you Jesus like the, yeah in the first from you from the first episode you see that um uh one of the classmates um has uh ended her own life um mm-hmm. so that. It it kind of gives you an idea from the, from the beginning, like, hey, this we're not playing around, like, yeah, this is what the yeah. show is about. But then it really gets into it later on in the show. It's like it, it's very <laughs> it's very a lot, honestly. Yeah. And I would I would yeah. say that like it's oh god, it's all it's almost like a, a little too much, I think, for me. Um, there is another thing that is a little bit too much, but like, um, big content content warning for that, um, and for uh very upsetting like things happening to a trans character um uh-huh. obviously the the show is very dark and all of these girls have committed suicide that's the premise um but i think they take it maybe a little bit too far with one of the characters uh who just also happens to be the trans character which is like oh mm-hmm. but anyway um yeah Basically, uh, big content warning for for the stuff that happens to this this trans character because um, one of the characters is a a trans boy um, who gets sexually assaulted and becomes pregnant. Yeah, which is like I I know that the show is heavy. I know that it's heavy, but that's going too far. I think. I think. <sighs> yeah, I I don't. I think they're they're trying to toe that line. Like we want to show that this point in the story is probably the darkest point in the entire story, right? Like, you can yeah. tell that the tonal shift is happening, like, from the beginning of that episode, right? Um, it starts descending very quickly. Um, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, 
like the the end of that episode is meant to be extremely horrifying um and so then the thereby the 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 wonder egg that uh the character opens up um belongs to the the trans character and then you learn that their story is probably one of the most messed up in the entire story and the entire series and yeah it it's so wildly uncomfortable and you don't it, it, i don't know like I, I haven't made like a verdict as to whether it was too much for me or not um like okay so here's here's where <laughs> yeah. i kind of stand on this right sure. um i feel like that uh on on one hand right it's very much a thing where um it is important to talk about the things that happen to trans people. Like, trans people get murdered at a way higher rate than the normal population. And yes. they experience, like, sexual assault at, like, unprecedentedly high rates, right? Yeah. Like, these are very real things to, to talk about. Um, But I also feel like it's, like, a little bit too much about the suffering of the trans character, even though we know that, like, he's committed suicide and that's why he's in the Wonder Egg, right? Um, like, obviously, there's, like, the the thing about, like, uh, you know, the trans boy showing up in uh, what is essentially, like, a girl's realm. Um, but... Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, that, that... Weirdly, that does get explained by something that I don't like, which is um, the whole reason the Wonder Egg system exists in the first place it's just like oh that's right yeah i guess like two cis guys wouldn't really know um it's, it's also very yeah. funny to me that that character is like so explicitly trans because he's wearing a trans flag colored the, the jacket actual the uh, <laughs> look there's it's so there is funny. such a thing as symbolism <laughs> and then there's that there is literally wearing okay. the flag <laughs> no, no. I, I will say I don't hate that just because some people really are that dense. Oh my god. But, but like yes, it's but very, I kind of hate it though. <laughs> but it's it's very much like, did you really have to? Yeah, right. Um, did they have to? And the answer is no. The answer is this. The answer is no. But I, I okay, I will I will say in defense of that, um it is very hard in Japanese anime. To convey that somebody is trans without being like just overtly offensive, um, or I guess to have have yeah. your character misconstrued, and I think sure. that this being this explicit and on the nose, like bonk your head with a hammer, obvious is maybe what it takes, and that's disappointing. But also, like, I mean, hey, there's a trans flag in an anime now. That's yeah, there is kind of kind of cool. I mean. God, everything surrounding that that episode yeah. is super uncomfortable, but Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's what I yeah. liked about Okay. Let's start yeah. let's start from there, but here's what I liked yeah. about that episode. Yeah. I yeah. like that that episode is specifically about Momoe, who is the character yeah. who is mm -hmm. a girl who is often perceived to be a boy. Yes. Um and um she doesn't like that, right? Like she is very much uh, this like Haruka from Sailor Moon archetype, where she's, like, a very, like, um, androgynous, like, uh, boyish girl. But she doesn't like that. She wants to be a girl. And I think, as far as, like, in the genre of magical girl stuff goes, I think that that's a valid direction to take that in, right? There are a lot of magical girls who are, like, I use 
magical girl ing as like an expression of my my androgyny. I don't want to be like labeled as as just a woman, right? That kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think it's completely valid to recognize, especially in an ensemble cast, that a a character may appear one way but still want to be perceived one way uh, or like perceived uh, in another way, right? Like it, it's kind of. Um, it is a theme that mirrors the trans experience where people will perceive you one way when in reality, you know, you are another way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I like that. And I like that. Um, I like that the trans character shows up in, I don't, I, I don't remember his name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've watched a lot of anime in the last like week. Um, but, uh, that's a very cute episode in many ways because it's um, thematically very important, right? Um, saying, like, this is a character who looks like a boy but is a girl, but she's not trans. She's, she just looks like a boy, right? And then juxtaposed with a character who is explicitly, like, over-the-top explicitly trans. Yeah. Um, and I, I like – I do like that, that, that like um, – the show 100, 110% does not, does not misgender him, right? Yeah. Um, it's like, this is a boy, right? Like, yeah. we're going to explain to you the very, like, basic idea of what a trans person is, right? Um, whether it is regarded well by the trans community or not, right? It's like, um, I, am, I am a boy who is trapped in, uh, in a woman's body. Um, there are some problematic things about that idea as, as, as a whole, but, you know... To, to explain to somebody who has never heard of a trans person, um, that, that is the ex- explanation people usually give. Um, and to the show never at any point invalidates um, that, that gender identity, which I think is, is really nice. And, you know, not something you necessarily see too much of in, in anime. Um, and that's, that's nice. I like that um, at the end... Uh, He's like, you know, in a, in another life, you know, we could be in a relationship and uh, that would, you know, I, I like I like that he's the one that is able to recognize Momoe for for what she is. Um, it was as, as so a, as a cute. Girl. I think that's really. Yeah, cute. it was and adorable. I think, <laughs> and I think to have that framed as like um, uh, and to have that come from the perspective of uh, Momoe specifically, who essentially is fighting for her friend who who was a lesbian, right? Um, but she she's not a lesbian. And to have her, like, acknowledge that, that this person is a boy, right? That's weirdly, you know, it, it, it is very progressive. It, it, it checks oh, yeah, all the boxes. hugely. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And in, in the same vein, like, Momoe was approached on her first date by a guy who thought that she was a guy. Right, so exactly, yeah. She's basically experienced... Like, well, she's been, I guess, traumatized, like, twice. Like, once by a female classmate who wanted to be with her because she was a girl, but Momoi only wants to be with a guy. Um, And then, secondly, traumatized by a guy who thought that she was a guy. And so, but they, the way that the show portrays it is, like, even though these negative things happened to Momoi, it doesn't necessarily portray these two gay characters as bad people. Like, they, they both, well, I mean, at least the guy was super apologetic about the yeah, yeah the mistake. Yeah. And then um, the girl is someone that Momoi wanted to save. 
Um, and, oh, and that's right. His name was Kaoru. That was the character. Yeah, Kaoru. Yeah. Um, and then they have the trans character who validates Momoi as a woman. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was like a really super, super progressive episode. <laughs> I th- all of those aspects of that episode absolutely yeah. work for me. Yeah. Um, it was, for me personally. It was, I, I really I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I <laughs> Unfortunately, this is a show uh, specifically about like trauma. And, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, (laughs) um, it, IMO, it goes a little bit too far, even though, you know, it's like, uh, cause like, we know that they've committed suicide and that's like a thing and that's the premise, but like, oh, holy shit, that's so rough. I like think, that's um, so that's too much for me honestly. Yeah, if I were to to as like a if I was in, on the production team, right? Like trying to think of like if I had this uh feedback like yo, y'all kind of went too hard like how else would you have approached this um this episode and still maintain the the same tone and and stuff like would you be able to show that content in a different way or remove that content and still have it portray the same like atmosphere or or get the same point across and i think if they had left out um at least i guess like the imagery of what happened to karu or oh god that was so upsetting too the fact that they they they, like um show enough to imply like what what is happening and not just like telling you about it it feels like right it almost feels a little bit like um I, i would say that like for the most part, a lot of the show does pretty well at not giving you, like, trauma porn. Right. Um, but there are the couple of scenes, really, where they, like, kind of kind of do get into it. And it's like, that was definitely one of them to me. Yeah, I'm not sure, like, whether... It's, it's like you were kind of, like, uh, alluding to earlier, is, like, I don't know how much of it is they wanted you to see that and be uncomfortable with it because this is a thing that happens to trans folk or... Uh, how much of it was like sensationalism, you know? And it it doesn't strike yeah, me as like a sh- yeah. as just the time of co- <laughs> it doesn't strike me as the kind of show that would do that for sensationalist purposes. But you always have to question that kind of thing when it comes to visual media. Yeah, you know? I I mean I would say that I think that um the intentions were good, mm-hmm. but uh also I mean when your existence as a trans person is kind of defined by by trauma um that's just upsetting right yeah yeah um obviously the entire show is about that so you know but the show also doesn't exist in a vacuum right like trans people don't exist in a vacuum um Mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot of kind of very complicated factors surrounding it i would say to me personally like that episode was a little bit a little bit gratuitous um yeah but what I do like about the rest of the show is that um, the show is about young women facing and helping other young women um, overcome their trauma. Yeah. Regardless of if, like, if it's after their suicide, right? Because it, it, can, it can kind of feel like at that point it's like, you know, like, does it matter, right? Um, right, and the answer, yeah. And the mm-hmm. answer that they come to is, yes, of course it matters. It yes, always matters, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. And 
I like that the villains of the the show are are society in a sense, right? It and it it's not pulling any punches about what what kind of like um abuse that is either, right? It's kind of this is what I actually really liked about the um uh very early uh antagonists of uh Persona 5. A little bit less so once it gets like to the last couple because at that point it, it starts to get a little abstract. Um but yeah. <laughs> um the first couple uh, of like antagonists are very scummy people, mm-hmm. but they're adults who are abusing uh their power over over young people. Um mm-hmm. and like this feels very much the same way where it is uh all about uh the different kinds of trauma that people carry uh caused oftentimes by the adults uh in in their lives um and i think that's that's awesome that's great having a magical girl show where y- the villain is society <laughs> mm, good so good what like i can't overstate how much like um the enemy is both society and trauma and what you're doing as a magical girl is like is is approaching and facing that trauma and like mm, oh god i've yeah. talked a lot about uh one direct priority in the sample episode um uh, i've covered a lot of the kind of basic stuff about like you know um i has a hard time um facing a lot of these these uh traumas unless she is um able to uh, get support from the the person um the egg essentially right yeah um there is um and then you have like kind of the uh, the way that the other characters uh approach it um and i like that there's such a breadth of characters um yeah like mm-hmm. not just the main cast um mm-hmm. even though the main cast is is excellent mm-hmm. um but the fact that uh, all of the the eggs kind of have very like different approaches like yeah. um mm-hmm. there's um Nehru's, like uh friend um uh who essentially died while performing experiments on herself. And mm-hmm. she's completely unafraid of death, really. Um, mm-hmm. she, has, she doesn't really care about it. But her trauma is still related to a, um, like a, a, a man, right? Like yeah. a, an older man in the, uh, in, in the same sphere that she works at, right? In, yeah. Um, and like having having him and he's at that point he is kind of a stand-in for like society because um Nehru is trying to protect uh uh Kotobuki from being um like taken as a sample, like a science sample, basically. Yeah. Right? Um and so, you know, she doesn't really want to be like dissected in that way. Um and I think that's that's really interesting and really great. Um yeah. yeah, I I really enjoy the uh bonds that the uh the girls form throughout the show with uh the mm-hmm. you know the the wonder egg candidates and each other. Um they all they all feel like really like wholesome. <laughs> yeah, um, they like, well, and very they f- comforting. Yeah. They feel more like realistic young women than like pretty much any other anime really realistically <laughs> um uh-huh. with some exceptions but like 
Um, the fact that they, like, they don't all get along all the time. They argue, right. um, they hang out together, and when they hang out, all they do is they just go to a McDonald's and they order, like, a shit ton of fries and just, like, mm-hmm. pull them in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> such a, like, teenager thing to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and all that's really delightful to me. Um. Yeah. I really liked the, uh, I really liked the animation of it, um, even though... You can tell they had a lot of trouble in the last couple episodes. Um, it got rough. They they did save it for the important parts, mm-hmm. I'll say. Then. They saved it for the, yeah. the important parts, but yeah. um, there's definitely one scene where it's, like, rotoscoped and, like, even just very barely rendered um, in the last episode. <laughs> um, yeah. La- quote, unquote, last episode. There is a scene, uh, or a lot of scenes, where the animation just isn't as, like, smooth and detailed mm-hmm. as it as it is in the first couple episodes and mm-hmm. obviously this has to do with um you know what we talked about earlier the production meltdown mm-hmm. essentially yeah. um which is a shame because it's like such a passion project by a bunch of oh, like yeah. a small team of creative people and they care yeah. a lot about making this show and they care a lot about the characters and mm-hmm. it really comes through with how much care is put into each of them i i really like what each of them kind of goes through where you have um you know I is the main character who is um, this idea of of like an innocent child, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, the world is harsh and tough and and terrible, but um, throughout it all, she tries to maintain you know her sense of self. Um, you have like Nehru, who's like um, very much uh, like this like kind of logical, uh, straightforward uh, person. Um, who has who still has her own attachments and like I like that her sort of uh arc is is about um learning to become close to her peers essentially yeah mm-hmm. um I like that Momoe's arc is has a lot to do with her gender um and the yes. way that people perceive mm-hmm. her um mm-hmm. and I like how Rika was handled as a character um. Because she is very abrasive and mm-hmm. in a way that's not just like, oh, that's cute. Like in a way that's like genuinely upsetting and like genuinely yeah. off-putting. You're like, I would not want to be friends with this person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can tell it's because of uh, all of the, the stuff that they, they uh, show about her character where um, – she was uh she used to be an idol and she never knew her father and she thinks her mother's kind of a deadbeat and and she has a history of self-harm and i there's it's almost like um she's she's the only one of them that's like explicitly like suicidal right um and her coming to terms with um that dealing with that is um it's a. I'll say that episode is a little bit rocky. Um, I think how you experience that episode will very much be dependent on on you, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because to me, it was very uncomfortable. Um, but in a way where I could recognize that it was because you know this is like a very real experience, um, and that's kind of what it what it's meant for, right? And. Um, I like that her kind of, um, motivation for that is it's, I mean, it it ultimately is like, it's very simple, right? Um, it's just kind of like, 
you know, I have friends that care about me. I have, uh, I have a, you know, a pet that's basically my child that I, that I care about, right? I don't want to become like my, like what I think my mother is like, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean. <sighs> yeah, I would say like the presentation of her story reminds me of Asuka from Evangelion. Um, yeah, where, yeah, 100%. You know, yeah, she's she's really abrasive and then you just kind of, as she starts to bond with you know the pe- the people in her life she you you get to learn a bit more about why she turned out that way and why she's such a proud person and she tries to put up this like really confident image and uh yeah and then it starts falling apart at the end when she really gets tested um yeah yeah well yeah. that that's i i love the fact that these characters are so complicated and mm-hmm. like detailed and like mm-hmm. you know realistic not that realistic is like a measure of whether something is good or not but like when you're approaching something like um like really heavy drama having well-written realistic characters can be very important and Mm -hmm. i like that they act like like teenagers like volatile volatile teenagers and they Mm -hmm. like just they aren't appealing all the time right like it's not you don't even necessarily root for them all the time you're just like oh god please Right. It's kind of like it, it is extremely like watching Evangelion where you're like, oh, my God, Shinji, please. Asuka, <laughs> yeah. why are you such a shitter? <laughs> and then you learn why she's a shitter and you're like, OK, I guess I feel bad now. <laughs> um, I really like. OK. Yeah. Production meltdown and like the fact that it's not actually the last episode aside, I really like the last episode of One Drive Priority, even though I oh, really yeah. hate episode, I think, 10. <laughs> um, so I, I love the fact that, uh, okay, I'm not in love with the fact that there's like parallel worlds or whatever is happening, but I mean, it's, it's whatever. Like I can suspend it, my disbelief that far. It's, yeah, it's just a means of her like reconciling with herself. <laughs> right. I love that the I love that the last episode is about I and yes. I love that it's about her reconciling her own trauma and like seeing yeah. a a self that didn't yeah. meet um Koito or or become like uh, entangled yeah. with the Wonder Eggs who was essentially um the source of her trauma is is the teacher and like I mean we spend the entire show being like this teacher sus as fuck <laughs> he's so sus. <laughs> And it really comes to a head in this episode, and you're not sure, actually, if that's really what he's like, and I think that's that's very intentional. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I, I, I actually really like that. I like that um, you can tell that there's something, like, a little, like, off about the teacher. He, it's very uncomfortable whenever he's on screen. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like it's um you're like what is happening here right because like obviously yes um he was tangled with with koito and uh she committed suicide and so in- immediately off the bat like the, f- the way it is framed you you cannot trust this man yes um mm-hmm. but he is becoming close to to ai's mom Right. Yeah. And I realizes that, you know, she also has feelings for this very handsome teacher, which is I mean, it's whatever. Right. It's like it's uh, young, young people will imprint on whatever. Right. Um, whatever reasonable adult is around them. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Um, but it's like very uncomfortable because you don't know if, she, if he like ever reciprocated like Koito's feelings. 
Um, you know that he painted a painting of her, and that feels very like intimate and kind of gross. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He also painted one of I as well, right? Um, Which was also very uncomfortable and kind of gross. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I it, I, I it do toes like the, the fact line. That- yeah, I, I I like the fact that you don't quite have all the answers to his character because you're looking at it from the lens of I, and right, yeah. she doesn't quite have a grasp on who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I would say after this last episode, um, you you kind of walk away with it, um, kind of trying to believe in. I right in her version of him where she's come around to the fact that he loves her mom and she wants to support her mom and wants her mom to be happy so she's willing to support their relationship um, regardless of her Mm -hmm. doubts Um, and and, yeah I 100% agree yeah Um, that is exactly how I feel how how I felt about that episode where Mm -hmm. I was like yeah I I guess like she came to a decision (laughs) about like what would make her mom happy and honestly like I Yeah. yeah I can't like I can't say like no you know yeah that mm-hmm. was really good so there there is one more thing that I wanted to talk about um hey. in regards to what I liked mm-hmm. um I like that the kind of uh I guess the uh not, not the crux of the show but like uh the climactic arc of the show has um essentially girls who have been in close proximity to death um, for the entirety of the series and uh, having them come face to face with the, the fear of death, right? Like there's the temptation of death that like draws those people to their suicide. Um, And I'll talk about that in a bit, but like Mm -hmm. um, the fear of death that all of, uh, all of the girls experience uh, when they reach the end of their um, egg work, <laughs> right. um, yeah. When they when they reach the end of their work as magical girls, yeah. like um uh a being representing death comes, a harbinger of death comes and like yeah. strikes the fear of death into them and they they can't even sleep. And oh my yeah. god, that okay. The episode where you where that happens, um I just remembered uh like the latter part of that episode was so unsettling. Yeah, yeah. Hugely. <laughs> It was it was so unsettling that I was legitimately unnerved and yeah. um I I don't know if an anime has ever instilled like real dread in me but that I legitimately mm-hmm. felt dread there. Mhm. Yeah, uh they do a great job of making you feel highly uncomfortable when they want to. <laughs> yeah, that that entire episode is uncomfortable for many reasons but um man uh the like crown on that episode holy shit mm-hmm. is uh is when um uh the crocodile like dies and then yeah. uh panic its name is panic um yeah and and then like oh god that entire it's just that was so upsetting to watch yeah yeah that was the definitely i would say the one of the most upsetting parts of the entire show where where everything kind of shifts toward that like you know that it's going to be like the worst part <laughs> mm-hmm. um narratively speaking yeah yeah and, and like yeah it's it's not like it necessarily comes out of of nowhere either right like the entire show has kind of been primed to to have a certain tone to it um yes. that only gets more as as each episode progresses yeah yeah, yeah. um mm-hmm. it 
it may, it has no misgivings, um, and it, it does not like fake you out. Like it's it, it doesn't fake you out like Monica does. I mean, Monica doesn't really fake you out, I guess, um, because um, Monica yeah. like definitely has the shock value in the beginning, but um, it steadily I'd say uh, declines towards you know a certain path, and it, yeah, every now and then gives you like. Um, little little teasers of hope because the girls are trying their best to stay optimistic and all that, but it just only further feeds into the the despair at the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, one one hundred percent. I like wondering priority feels like it because um, the thing that everybody talks about in relation to Madoka is is the episode three like surprise, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where the 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 tone suddenly seems to shift. Um, but the tone of One Rug Priority um, is pretty consistent. It yeah. it just continues to get darker until um, until you you hit the like break point. Um, right. I would say like it, it like even though it gets darker, the the wrap up at the end is probably the most hopeful that um, the show has ever been. Right. Because it kind of yeah. starts at a yeah. at a at a bit of a low point. You know, when you're trying to get used to things, but you're also you're in in the point of view of I who's been bullied and she feels ostracized and all of that. And then it slowly builds up and then it goes downward like towards the climax. And then it pops back up because you realize that these girls have grown from their ventures and mm. especially I has had the most progression and she shows how strong she's become. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I, and- I would say, yeah. Mm-hmm. I I like the last episode a lot, um, especially yeah. because because of that and because yeah. of what happens um, yeah. with at the end of uh, at the end of the dream, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, all all that stuff like I re- I really like about the show. Um, I like the, yeah. the direction it goes. Um, I like that uh, the essentially I like that the the main antagonist of the show is is a representation of of death, right? Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. Because it feels very in line with what the rest of the show is is about. Um, yeah. Right. Um, about these these young women um, confronting trauma, and um, all along the way, death has been a part of it, and yeah. finally turning around and having to face face death itself mm-hmm. um, feels it feels like the natural evolution of 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 that. Um, it feels like yeah. a natural progression. Now, there's. You know, a lot of other minor stuff I could say that I really liked. Um, but one of the major things I, I definitely want to talk about is um, the animation um, is is gorgeous. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even though it kind of drops off in quality in the last couple episodes, um, they they save the animation for where it counts. But I gotta say, like throughout the series, like it's so good at um, showing like very very like minute things that nobody would ever animate unless they specifically <laughs> chose to like closely study what something was like like yeah obviously in we talked about this but in the opening when she like takes the little <laughs> yogurt. The yogurt off the <laughs> lid right um there's that yeah. there's the scene where they eat the sukiyaki um and you see like um you see the like uh the beef fall into the the little like egg dip and you're like yeah yeah. Wow. Right. Mm-mm. A lot of the animation in this show is is stunning. It 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 yeah. really is spectacular. Um. And I don't. Yeah. I don't think that the the ending of it be not being as consistent as the rest of it. It really like actually mars it in any in any meaningful way. 
Um, you could tell they did the best that they could. And even then, like, even though the production quality kind of dropped, it looks like your the quality of it, I would say, is comparable to, like, your average anime, you know, at the mm-hmm, end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. It's not even, like, bad. It's just average. It's not bad. <laughs> For sure, it's yeah. not bad. Um, and the, the, I, what I really like, too, is, like, even though it mostly is, like, uh, a show where it's it's the girls talking to each other or learning things about the world, the action sequences are actually quite well done, too. Um, and I wasn't really expecting that from this kind of show, yeah, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the especially the uh the the parts where they're using their magical weapons feels kind of like a hybrid between Sailor Moon and Trigger, you know, the yeah, just something yeah, yeah. about the aesthetic is very well, much like that. I think I can pinpoint it actually. Yeah. It's because the the transformation noise of the weapons sounds yeah. very Sailor Moon. Yeah. Um and when they defeat the uh, trauma, like the uh, yeah, they gave them a name. I don't remember what the name was. Um, but like the the traumatic kind of incarnation, it yeah. bubbles up and explodes into a very yeah. trigger esque like shower of blood. <laughs> I, I saw that episode one. I was like, this looks like it was. This looks like a trigger thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even even the process of them exploding looks very trigger. But like, yeah, yeah, you're you're it absolutely looks good. Right. Yeah, it feels very Sailor Moon and very yeah. Studio Trigger. Um, and it looks just stellar um, it's great yeah i will say what i like is uh there is a lot of attention paid um to to um uh the facial expressions of the characters mm, yeah and, like this is the this might be something that um comes from um the director being like a live action director but mm. Man, this anime is so good at showing people talking to each other in a way that's dynamic because they talk to each other, but there's like natural pauses, ebbs, and flows to the conversation, and they emote at each other, right? Yeah, the subtleties are really, really key. The visual storytelling mm-hmm. is very good mm-hmm. um, in something that people often kind of like overlook when it comes to anime because they're like yeah. oh all you got to do is like make a two frame animation of the mouth opening yeah, and closing yeah the mouth flaps but there's so much that can be conveyed about characters and um their relationships with each other depend like based on how they um physically present to each other communication is is like 80% like you know um physical right it's it's not verbal um but like for instance when they're like talking to each other and um like they just make expressions at each other. okay actually very specifically the first episode the first episode of the show you can see um this like this little like scene where um i is not going to follow um the the egg right um mm-hmm. so she like pulls like she tugs on her um and feels her like stop and then she just gives her a look and then she, like she yeah, kind of looks back yeah, yeah, and yeah. says like sorry mm-hmm. or something like yeah. there's almost no dialogue there yeah. but like you understand that, that exactly exchange what's happening. Yeah. is mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. it's such mm-hmm. it's such good storytelling yes. and it's like done in a, in a, in an explicitly visual way and like yeah. more anime has to do this I would say like one of my favorite moments uh, as an example of this was actually in the the last episode where um, you see the interaction between I and her mom uh, where mm-hmm. yes, I yes, is, yes, yes. Uh, she she 
doesn't want to go to school and then she comes back and then her mom like you you see you can see her thought process on her face where she's like she kind of realizes and then she mm-hmm. thinks about what she has to do to comfort I and then she goes into mom mode where she comforts her um, yeah and that all plays yeah. out and just like just like a few seconds on her face but mm-hmm. they animate it so well and then you just see the interaction between them um yeah yeah i, I think wonder egg priority might be the best show about people talking to each other mm-hmm. because there's no other show that i can think of off the top of my head like just nothing comes to mind mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is as good at like conveying um how how characters like should be speaking to each other right because mm-hmm. here's the thing the, uh, Wondering Priority is willing to leave silence, like yes. silent moments, yeah, and let the animation do the talking, yeah, and that is shockingly rare. <laughs> it is, yeah, shockingly rare, yeah. But like, it really, really works, um, because the characters aren't framed in a way where like literally framed right in a way where um you have like one shot where like we're staring at a character's face it's like a close-up and then they they flap their mouth and then we cut to another shot like another close-up of a character's face and they flap their mouth right mm-hmm. um but this is a show that's willing to take a wide angle and have two characters move and talk to each other and move while they're talking to each other and like sometimes not talk to each other and still move right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the little like motions that they make the like tugs and like stops and and the looks that they give each other it's all so good yeah it's it's all so weirdly rare in anime i don't know why because it's difficult it's expensive (laughs) i mean it is expensive like it is expensive um, and actually i can tell you exactly why probably um it's it's probably because it's such a small team that worked on it, right? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. when you are so intimately aware of of the way that um each of these characters is supposed to be on a personal level, it's a lot easier to make like create for him. Um mm-hmm. and like it's the kind of thing that it's it's like one of the first things to get cut because you can just kind of gloss over it with, with yeah. more dialogue, right? Yeah. Um but when an anime effectively uses its visuals to tell the story, uh, like especially one where it's not just action all the time, um, like there is there are action scenes in this, but like a lot of it is people talking to each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, this is really good. <laughs> I I didn't realize how much depth I was missing from my my anime. <laughs> I seen what I've been missing. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a shame too, because it's like so many shows are about people talking to each other. Yeah, like it's one thing to make it like dynamic and interesting to to look at, like um, like Kaguya, right? Kaguya-sama makes everything very fun to watch because it like, yeah. is very playful with with its like you know camera and stuff. Yeah, um, but. Wondering priority shows you that you can really do a lot with a little. I, I and I don't mean a little in like the 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 animation itself is sparse, but it's like so effective at using the visuals to tell yeah. like the the story and yep. um why why like why does more anime not do this? I mean, I could probably tell you why. It's probably the production pipeline, honestly. Like we know probably that the production, production pipeline, pipeline fucks with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
Okay, so there's a, sh- a, a, a fuck ton of stuff I love about this show. I could go on for hours, and like <laughs> we're really at risk of doing that. But I, I will mention the stuff I did not like. Okay. <laughs> we touched on the trans stuff, um, the trans character Kaoru. Um, I, I feel like that, that was handled a little bit gratuitously um, and a little bit like... Because I don't think any other character goes through an experience as as like explicitly traumatic as that. Um, it's you know other than like the the death of the pets that we see on screen, right? But like, um, right. I feel like pets is not the right word. Like magical girl animal companions, right? Yeah. But um, like the that sequence happens, but like of the eggs, right? Like that that's the most upsetting thing that happens and the most like kind of like you just feel really icky afterwards um yeah but we mentioned that there's one other thing like one kind of like elephant in the room that we've been like kind of walking around the whole time but like why is why is the show about ai Like, this show did not have to make a sci-fi pivot. I, and, I, yeah. And I was for some reason it did. This. Yeah, um, the whole Frill episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess they needed to explain how these girls are able to jump through dreams and visit uh suicide uh, like people who have committed suicide and all this like they needed some kind of explanation for it um i am very curious as to how they'll wrap that storyline up because obviously um they haven't they just kind of left it there and yeah right the 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 last hint of it that we get is something rather sinister which is that the the akas or at least one of them um doesn't is willing to sacrifice these girls for his own goals right he wants Mm -hmm, he just mm -hmm. wants to see his uh daughter again uh and uh and that's that's where we left off with it so i'm hoping that the uh the 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 extra episode that will release in june will address that I'm, i'm sure it will but um yeah i don't know why they they felt like they needed to to do that other than like explaining stuff but um, I'm gonna assume that it will have it will be related to the central theme, you know, and everything. But. Yeah, I I hope so. Um, yeah. I I despise. Okay. Mm-hmm. There are very few things that I like won't excuse in terms of like narrative. Um, as as far as like you know plot hole and kind of stuff like that goes. Um, mm-hmm. there are very few things that I won't excuse um for for the you know obviously for the sake of a better story and this doesn't make for a better story um i hate (laughs) i hate when shows make sci-fi pivots because they have to explain something like it is it is 100 percent. it feels like that yeah it feels like i agree with you that it feels like they had to explain why everything was happening yeah but to me, I don't care about why anything It felt like is they didn't necessarily need to, or they could have, like, explained it a lot less, like, 
involved. You know, I, I'm I'm not even sure how to really. They could have uh, left it a little more abstract, and I feel like I would have been fine with that. Yeah, I would have had questions, but it's not important narratively speaking. It's, as, it's not as the, right? the girls, you know, and their in their journeys, and um, I I don't even like. I I was kind of like put off by the fact that maybe Frill has something to do with these girls committing suicide. Like maybe yes. she's like influencing them. Mm-hmm. I was like, but then what's the point in yes. hammering home all of the trauma that they go through? Because these are right. legitimately things that people would suffer from that would cause them to maybe uh, have suicidal th- ideations or thoughts. You know, it it to me muddles the themes. Um, yeah. To me, yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, it, it muddles the themes of the show, and that's the greatest sin that it can do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't do so intentionally is, is the problem. Like, you're right, right. It mm-hmm. Because it's just trying to explain logically why things are happening, and yeah. I hate this because I'm watching an anime. I'm willing to suspend my disbelief for just about anything. If they didn't the characters... need to explain it. <laughs> yeah, they didn't need to explain it. If the characters started shooting laser beams out of their hands for no reason, I'd be like, okay, fair enough. It's already like, it's already out. They've made the show from episode one be completely outrageous to the point that you just have to suspend your disbelief in order to progress with the story and under and, and like follow it. Right. It... And so since you're already in that mindset, you don't need to go back to logic and be like, okay, but this is why it's happening though. <laughs> Right, it feels damaging to the narrative and to the themes of of the show to have to explain, well, okay, so you see, we were once two human beings, and we two human beings were geniuses, Um, so we were basically under uh, government watch 24-7, and uh, so we decided to make a person, we decided to make an AI child that we would raise as father and father, it's definitely not gay, bro. Um, are they brothers? I don't remember. I don't think they're, I don't think they're brothers. Okay. They're just, they're just like, I I think, I think they're just friends basically. Um, or just two guys, two guys who were put into the same situation. I'm pretty sure. Um, and, um, like all this does is just raise more questions. I'm like, just why, why would you do any of that? Why would you do any of that? Right. And. It, it's like it's upsetting that they decided to because I don't mind the fact that they gave um, Aka and Uraka back back stories, right? Right. I think that's that's yeah. fine. Yeah. I don't like what they did with it because I I don't feel the need to have like the premise explained to me because I'm I've already suspended my disbelief enough that it doesn't matter. I'm watching an anime about girls fighting like the incarnation of trauma, right? And the fact that um they make it they frame it so that frill is responsible for uh like the temptation of death right is it's just kind of upsetting to me because it's like well like you're right like it's just like why does any of the rest of this matter then why does why does the trauma yeah. matter right and it's like that should be the most important thing to me and and you undermine it a little bit by trying to explain it now right Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't want to speak too much on it without having seen the last episode because they might actually like turn it around. I, I right, kind yeah. of like this mm-hmm. juxtaposition between mm-hmm. um, like death, the temptation of death, and the fear mm-hmm. of death. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as well as uh as Eros, the god of like, you know, love and uh sexy time, right? <laughs> yeah. Um I like this uh framing of love and um desire as the opposite of death. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it it feels it's it's a very like classical literature kind of feel to me, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, oh yes, of course, yes, 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 right? You 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 do sex so that you can make babies, and making babies staves off death, right? It's literally the creation of life is the opposite of death. All right, I I put it in a funny way, and then I put it in a real way, right? Um, <laughs> but, but I I like that. I like that a lot actually. Yeah, I like um, that a lot too. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot in the same way that I like that uh Gurren Lagan juxtaposes uh the um desire to um improve and expand and grow with stagnation and um anxiety and um like oppression essentially, right? Those Yeah, those, yeah. Those oppo- those opposing themes work very well together and I like that aspect of the explanation. I just don't, I don't understand why they had to do the technology about it, right? Like, if it was just, <laughs> we used to be two human beings, and um, we're fighting the god of death, that would be fine. That yeah, would right. make like, perfect sense to me. We created I'd be like, this whole system to to mm-hmm. to fight the god of death, and we we created this motivation where you guys would try to save your... Uh, loved ones who committed suicide and therefore you're you're wrapped up in this scheme to fight death and that's right right that's that's great that's fine like fine magical hand wave it but like it it follows the themes and it strengthens the themes well because it's a show about love and love conquering death (laughs) exactly right and like Um, yeah i i i still like wondering parody because it 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 has themes, right? It yeah. it has things it wants to talk about, you know, yes. as opposed to like Madoka, which again, don't get me wrong, I love Madoka. I think it's a great narrative. I also think it just means nothing. <laughs> um, because I think it it well. well so it, here's the thing: it yeah. Madoka is is kind of similar. It's about this um struggle between hope and despair. But because of the way that it is written and it continually undermines itself, it it doesn't take a stance on on whether you should have hope or not, which I think is kind of a, um, I don't know, kind of a bummer thing to say, really. Just be like, ah, you know, I think both sides have some points, hope and despair. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Um, I would probably, um, at least in comparison to Wonder Egg Priority, take away what uh, you said about uh, Madoka in in that episode is that which is like the overall message is that you ought to treat these young women kinder in mm-hmm. because you don't know what kind of effect that will have when <laughs> when you don't and and what kinds of thing what kind of ramifications that will have as they grow up um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's certainly the episode uh, the 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 message with Wonder Egg Priority is that these girls are saving each other by right helping each other and and being right. friends with each other and uh, likewise i's mom is like an example of like the understanding mom and she's she's trying to do her best with i as well and that and that is what makes i um realize she just wants to see her mom again and not you know not go through with the uh yeah yeah you know, dying <laughs> i i actually i love the way that they handled it in the last episode mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. um you have i talking to koito and you have i talking to i 
to mm-hmm. be like like you you miss your mom right yeah. mm-hmm. and like for an entire show that has been so rough and traumatic the entire way through like such a rocky ride for all the characters that like singular moment of of i kind of confronting like suicide and and the people in her life um including herself right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and having her say like you know you 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 regret it don't you right like Mm -hmm. you wanted to continue to live like that actually Mm -hmm. does have a legitimate emotional impact I, i legitimately did get emotional while watching that um yeah and I think it, it was a really good way of of kind of wrapping um wrapping that aspect of of the show up. Um, I just, boy, I just really don't understand this whole robot girl thing. I there's just, you know, I, like I don't want to harp on it like that yeah. much, but really, like what the fuck? Oh, I will hold out hope because we haven't seen the la- the rap the uh, actual ending of the story that yeah, yeah. they will at least address it. I don't have like full confidence that they'll address it in a way that will make me feel satisfied, but you know, it they made a decision and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um we could talk about Wonder Egg Parody for much longer, but we we yeah. really have to wrap up now. Um, <laughs> it is so late. I, where yeah. did the time go? Talking about anime. Oh my god. <laughs> we knew this episode we chunky because we watched a ton of stuff and a lot of stuff came out. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> this, okay, I will say, this was a great season. This was an yeah. amazing season of, of anime. Um, yeah. There were some hiccups and um, some kind of revelations about how fragile the industry itself is and how unsustainable it is. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of weird to say that at the end of that, like, hey, the anime was good. Like, Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yes, the anime was good, but also, like, what's more important is, like, the, the health of the people who right. make the anime, right? The like, human cost of the it. The human cost of making it, right? Like, it's 100% a caveat that we we do have to to address as as anime consumers, right? It's like yeah. you know, you and and, and it's one of those things, right, where it feels like you you don't really know what what you can do. I mean, there are there are things you can do like you can donate to the, like the the project that keeps animator like young animators like housed and stuff. Um but yeah, like it's it's so hard to make industry-wide change on an individual level. Um and like kind of sometimes all you can do is just raise awareness to make sure people know about it and that's like yeah it feels like such a lame cop-out answer it's like oh you yeah uh you see the environment all you gotta do is make people more aware of it the government you, all you gotta do is make people more aware of it. i mean <laughs> but sometimes like really like what what do you do is just a, yeah. just a human being trying to avoid your mortal doom it does start there it does start with at least knowing the problem and then yeah yeah, raising an effort to address it. <laughs> um, but yeah, as as you can tell from the length of this episode, uh, it's really, really good season. Yeah. Um, I I was not expecting to even talk about the stuff we talked about at the beginning for so long. Jeez, oh my god, <laughs> every part of this was so long. Uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy three hour long podcast episodes. <laughs> we'll try to trim it down a little bit. Uh, I'll do my best. Anyway, why don't we wrap up? Uh, who are yeah. you? Where can we find you on the internet? 
Uh, I am Renu, also known as Swan. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch and Tumblr, all at Swandrawn. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. I have uh, started playing Monster Hunter Rise on stream, so that's been fun. Nice. Um, also continuing commission artwork, so if you want to come over for some art and some games, um, you can find me there every Friday evening. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. Uh, what about you? You can find me all the places at Literal Soup. Uh, my general preoccupation will be uh, streaming once I uh, have got everything in my room sorted again. So in, in like a <laughs> week or so, right? Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I am probably going to be starting a couple games. Um, I don't know what, what order I'm going to do this in, but um, I am going to start a couple of streams. Uh, one is going to be, uh, obviously, of course, of, of Yakuza Kiwami 2. Um, and, uh, like, I, you know, obviously I need to continue the Yakuza game so I can get to the, yeah. the latest ones. Um, yeah. And uh, there, uh, the other game I wanted to do was play uh, Disco Elysium, which just got yes. its oh my uh, God. final cut release, um, which I hear is very I wanted good. to play that, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had I had a friend very graciously gifted to me um, to play oh, on stream. That's so fun. Um, yeah. I will keep my word and I will play it on stream. Um, nice. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, yeah. And uh, the other the last stream I wanted to do was I'm I'm going to start a um, weirdly I'm going to start another Dark Souls stream, um, but this time uh, I'm going to be playing Dark Souls three essentially like all the way through in co op, and that's going to be super fun. We're going to do some Whoa. wacky shit. Um, so that's, that's in the works, but yeah, stay tuned. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I have a, a discord server for my stream so you can get all the latest updates on when streams are happening. Uh, you can catch us every f Saturday at 8 PM, um, Ye Pacific time, which is my time. Ye and, uh, yeah, we, we play Ace Attorney. We're on the second case of the second Yeah. Game. And it's going <laughs> interestingly. Um, we have definitely, <laughs> definitely screwed up a lot. We got wrecked. <laughs> we got wreckied. Um, but that's fun um, sometimes, I guess. This is disaster striking. But yeah. Uh, absolutely. Just uh, stay stay tuned. Um, watch us every uh, tune in every Saturday. And watch us there. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So our opening is by Scotty Network, and our ending is by Takamakara. And the patrons we are thanking this month, um, or this episode, I, I suppose I should say, are uh, Evan Williams, Cherubel, Magpie Miratest, Frostfall, Shandar, Clara West, uh, Undead Uncanny, and Dylan Boats. Thank you so much for your support. Wow, thank you, thank you. <laughs> you do keep the Funimation um, videos rolling, and I don't know if that's a good thing. It might I don't. Be. I don't know if you should phrase it like that. <laughs> <laughs> you keep the crunchies rolling. No, no. <laughs> All right. Um, they're, they're trying to support us. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Th thanks so much for listening. Um, yeah. We really do appreciate the support. Yeah. <laughs> and we will see you next time. See you next time.
また明日ね。